and I will be muting them. Good evening, everyone. And for those who came in late, you've joined us for a special event from Expand the Phantom podcast and Chronicle Chamber to raise funds for UNICEF. It's a fantastic cause raising money for needy children all around the world. I'm your host for this evening, Duncan Munro, and I'm ably supported by the X-Band team in the background, Jermaine Parker, Dan Fraser, and Stephen East, uh, who most of you know uh, very well. So welcome, gentlemen. Uh, the cause tonight, so we've got a special evening, evening in store for those fortunate enough to be joining us live, and for those playing this back uh, later via X-Band's podcast or YouTube channels, uh, you're in for a treat. But we'll introduce our talented guests and just a quick word about why we are here this evening first. So UNICEF, which stands for United Nations International Children's Fund, works with partners around the world to promote policies and expand access to services that protect all disadvantaged children. Working in over 150 countries and territories worldwide, focusing on child protection, survival and education. Further information on the programs funded by your donations tonight or to learn how you can contribute, go to unicef.org.au or call 1-300-884-233. And our Chronicle Chamber will put that in the post when they uh, launch this podcast uh, public. UNICEF's motto is for every child. And it is in that spirit that our guests this evening have agreed to donate their time and their, uh, their significant talent. It's certainly a cause befitting the Phantom and a worthwhile beneficiary of this evening's event. So um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, our guests who've been generous enough to throw their time and talent behind this worthwhile cause and provide an evening of entertainment for all of us. And our first guest is Camilo Di Pietrantonio, a Sydney-based artist who many fans will know from his appearance at the appearances at the Australian Convention Circuit. Camilo has also worked on the indie comic Killaroo with Darren Close, IDW's uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin series, variant covers for TMNT issue 100, uh, in Purgatory, Primordial and Cult of Dracula. He's done album art for Dimitri Vegas and his popular samples of his varied work in Camillo's sketchbook and inkbook have been available through his uh, convention appearances. But fans at this event and on the podcast would know Camillo best from his fandom pinups. In several fandom issues, most, loaded, most notably the Femme Fatale issue, which was uh, issue 1813 from Fru, I now welcome to the sketch session, Camillo. Hi, everybody. How's, your, how's the uh, week been? You've been enjoying yourself? Yeah, man, it's been pretty good. Thank you very much for giving your time tonight. Um, uh, we've had a bit of a sneak preview of the things you've been thinking in your head and turning the phantom into a bit of reality for some of the people here. Uh, thank you very much for uh, making yourself available. We're really looking forward to it. Um, the next guest I'm going to introduce is Daniel Picciotto, who's another Sydney-based uh, and self-taught creator. He's got a history in commercial work, uh, including his input on... Uh, ready for this, Daniel Picciotto is fast becoming a fan favourite with back-to-back -back cover of the year titles for his Fru fan covers. Cutting his teeth on creator-owned title Mercer with Gary Skarka, which is available on Comixology slash Amazon, and contributions to the Scamthology, Proof 18 and Low 16 from uh, Image Comics. Um, Fru editor Glenn Ford spied Daniel's work through uh, the convention circuit and fan referrals. And to our benefit, Daniel's agreed to join the Fru stable of Aussie creators, uh, and we're likely to see some more uh, coming up from him in the near future. Uh, with three covers for Fru, soon to be four, Chronicle Chamber exclusive, one short story featuring his sequential work uh, that's been published and eight short stories in progress, uh, contributions to a folio series, 
He's known for his uh, stunning cover for the Treasures of Dracon board game, the accompanying trade paperback, uh, the most recent trading card series, and a bookmark. So there's no shortage of things for fans to get signed if uh, they get, happen to see Daniel at an appearance. Daniel Picciotto, uh, welcome to the Sketch Sessions. Thanks, Duncan. <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> Thanks for uh, the nice intro and uh, nice to meet you all, gentlemen. And uh, for those... Uh, have a good session. And for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, the, the image that's there behind Daniel uh, is uh, the one that won cover of the year for last year, I think. Uh, cover of the trade paperback and the board game. And I think the uh, owner of that piece might actually be in the audience this evening. Um, the final guest that we've got is just proof that the Sydney Water has something added to it that produces superhuman artistic talent. Our third guest this evening is a fan favourite uh, and the only contributor tonight to have published Phantom Covers for three different international publishers. Uh, so tonight we welcome Jamie Johnson. Jamie has a history of donating his talent in support of charitable causes, with his art appearing in Australia Burns, the Chronicle Chamber Bushfire book in 2020, and variant covers for IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 100, uh, Cult of Dracula for Source Point Press, Source Point Press, the acclaimed Aussie indie series Killaroo with Darren Close, uh, the Old Man Rufus variant cover, Phantom fans will know Jamie's work on Phantom covers for Fru, Hermes, and Lightning Strikes. Uh, and like Daniel, he provided a trading card for the recent gallery series, has a bookmark, several prints, uh, including a triptych and diptych set. Uh, and alongside fellow Fru stablemate Paul Mason, contributed a significant amount of production art to the Phantom Treasures of Dracon board game for Fru Games. Jamie runs a comic art workshop in the Hills District of Sydney, passing on his skills to the new generation of aspiring artists. Uh, so if you know someone in that area, uh, send them that way for some fantastic guidance and direction on creativity. Uh, and he's taken the night away from the chalkboard to take us to school. Please welcome Jamie Johnson. Jamie. Hey, Duncan. How are you, mate? <laughs> Dude, thank you for making uh, your time available. Um, you've, taken, you've peeled yourself away for the Goosebump books for this evening to, uh, to entertain <laughs> us. Uh, and we all appreciate that. Um, uh, as we kick off, I might just get um, uh, you guys just to or just familiarise people with the screen. It should have the names uh, at the bottom with your uh, details on it. Um, and Camilo too has his his light board there with some uh, rough layouts of where he's going to uh, start from. Pitchy's, um, we're looking at that from the left hand side, I think. Um, uh, so from behind, he's, he's changed it. So we got him. We were looking right over the top of his head at the bird's eye view uh, of his work on there. Uh, and uh, Jamie Johnson uh, should be on there. Someone's pushed him out of the way when they've joined the room um, uh, with his uh, welded thing. We're looking at him from uh, from right above as well. So uh, without further ado, guys, um, we're just going to launch into some talking while uh, you guys work away. Um, uh, and anyone in the audience, please feel free to uh, ask any questions that you want. Um, and I'll monitor the chat for that. So, and uh, all the artists this evening have, um, uh, have traditionally competed at some of the live uh, conventions that many of you have seen around Australia in the Young Buck Battle, uh, where they'll do a live sketch off for over an hour. Uh, and um, and people in the audience can get the opportunity to win those sketches. Uh, it's a bit of a, um, a, a continuing challenge uh, across the three contributors this evening. Uh, so we're seeing that being stepped up by them all cheating uh, and um, doing quite 
detailed layouts before they came in. Um, <laughs> their cheating is to the benefit of all of us. Uh, we just had Alex Tripp join in and say hello to everyone. So we've got a, a fellow artist watching uh, on with a critical eye uh, and an encouraging smile. So um, the, the, the guy's cheating and uh, slipping ahead and getting some of those layouts a little bit more detailed than you might have been expecting. He's only going to hey, benefit. Uh, hey, Duncan. Yes, mate. Sorry to interrupt you, but I should say uh, I was going to draw on the night. That was you were? My original, that was my original plan, yeah. But uh, I think the guys wanted to um, really give a treat for you guys as well, so they did a full... You know, Jamie put together a full body A3 piece. So, uh, so then Camilo came with his as well. And uh, I've got mine now in front of me. So hopefully uh, for you guys taking your time out of your night and contributing the money to a good cause, I think, you know, we could do a little bit more than we were going <laughs> to. Um, and, and I was just about to say it is to the benefit of the people that win. So everyone that is watching is now watching even more eagerly than they uh, were going to be uh, if you'd started from scratch um, because it is an, I've seen all three of these artists work uh, and it is a tremendous amount of work and effort that they put in uh, and it's only going to be magic that's unfolding before us tonight. Uh, so we've got Tom asking a question in the chat for uh, what medium will the artist be using? Jamie? Uh, so... Basically, the way I structured it, I did a digital layout, printed it out uh, very faintly on this board, just so I have the, basically, we can do it live, but it just messes around. We want to kind of get straight into it. Uh, my main uh, tools are a brush pen, uh, these Micron or multi-liners, and uh, Copic markers. Uh, I may, if I have time, throw some airbrush into it, uh, but we'll see kind of how we're doing uh, towards the end. Uh, Camilo? Um, yeah, I've done similar thing to Jamie. I've started off with a digital layout and I've printed that off and laid it on my on my white box and um, I'm going to be just using ink pens on a A3 board. Um, if I get time, maybe, maybe some Copic markers. Excellent. And Daniel? Yeah, I did the same. I did a uh, digital layout. Um, it's how I normally work these days, just make it quicker and easier and I can do it anywhere I go. Uh, so I did a digital layout and uh, I normally print it and ink it uh, traditionally using um, different tools. I use mostly Copic multi-liners. Um, I've got some Microns, Copic multi-liners, and I usually use some brush pens as well sometimes. And, and, and Pitchy, how does that go with your preference to uh, play around digitally so you've got a bit of uh, flexibility to work on the image and the layout and the composition when you are asked to do a live commission at a show? Do you still have that, that way to get around that or are you just starting from your brain and a piece of paper? Yeah, exactly. It just goes through your brain. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with using uh, the iPad and Procreate, but you can double tap to undo. And uh, sometimes I find myself doing that to paper and it doesn't work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's probably the only thing I do at the, at the conventions that are, that's wrong. But I, uh, otherwise I just do it straight out of the, out of the head. We'll, we'll all keep our eyes out next time we're watching your sketch live to see you do that. And, uh, and we'll watch you at the blackjack table. Um, 
Uh, Bradley's asked a question in the chat, uh, how long is the session going for? Uh, we've left it open-ended and the artists are out prisoner until we release them. Uh, we've given them a, a rough time frame of about uh, 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how far they go. Um, and uh, with the size of the piece they're doing, uh, most of the artists are working in A3 and a couple of different um, uh, layers, so a couple of different mediums. Um, and Camilo's just sneakily thrown down the uh, the ink wash or the Copic um, challenge to the others uh, too. So we'll see how that gets responded to. Uh, maybe one to two hours by the time we're finished. Um, so hopefully that's uh, answered Tom's question in there. Um, so we've seen, um, Camilla, you've done some work for Nickelodeon. Yeah. What can you tell us about? Where can people see more of your work from there? Um, Nickelodeon, they hit me up twice for some work. The first time was um, they just um, took a bunch of my fan art. So they paid me for a bunch of fan art and that was meant to be um, used on a some sort of um, TV special, some sort of Ninja Turtle TV special. And it was gonna be, my art was gonna be used to decorate the set. Oh wow. TV special ever came out or if it's due to come out or, or what, but um, so I wouldn't know where people would see that. But um, I also did some uh, Valentine's Day artwork for them last year. So that's floating around on their social media. So if you go to like the TMNT official um, Instagram and Facebook and stuff, you'll see like some Valentine's Day art if you go all the way down to Valentine's Day last year. Nothing says be mine like some Raphael through the ages for the sound of it. I didn't know you did that. That's fantastic. And um, and so was supposed to, the, the Nickelodeon stuff was supposed to be set uh, dressing for a TV show. Is that right? Like a, a kid's... A kids entertainment oh, show yeah, or a game show or something like some ninja turtle special oh fair income yeah that'd be amazing i'd be interested to check that out um so for the uh the online detectives in the group uh next time you head into a lockdown you're looking for something to do uh if there's a finder's fee for uh, finding camillo's art out in the wild i don't know, I don't know if they've done it yet i don't know if it got postponed because of covid or if it just got like um they never went ahead with it but that's what i was told it was going to be for and it's the U the US channels that are one of the streaming services or yeah. one of the the and so uh, or Nickelodeon so pay channel cable channel and um, has the check come? The checks come. Oh, that's yeah. good. So you you'll know if it gets used because the residual check will come. <laughs> Maybe I don't know about that. I'm going to read the fine detail properly, but um, but I mean they they own the rights for that artwork for everything now. So you might see it pop up somewhere else. You know, it might be on like toy packaging or something. I'm not sure. And you said they took your fan art. So was that from your sketchbook that we've seen at the conventions? Um, it would have been on my. Some of it may have been in my sketchbook. I'm not. I can't remember. But most of it was from my um my social media. And they just contacted you out of the blue and just said, "Yeah, I'm looking for you." Uncle Sam came and asked for it. That's yeah. fantastic, and that's great that they're uh, they're reaching out far and wide for uh, the, the Aussie uh, talents getting caught in their net. That's fascinating. Um, I'm going to throw across to Jamie quickly. Uh, the, a lot of the people in the group here uh, will also have, um, will be familiar with Daniel's backdrop because they've got the Phantom uh, Treasures of Dracon um, uh, game in their collection. Uh, and they followed through that process with the Aussie creators that uh, developed it, the game designers that worked with worked in with Fruit Games. Uh, and you and Paul Mason um, broke your back 
Daniel swept away with the, all the attention for making the box cover, uh, <laughs> and you and you and Paul slaved away for months uh, creating um, the board art uh, and the des- and designing some of those uh, pieces. Yeah. Um, did it equip you any better to explain the gameplay to me? I still don't. I've still never played the game. <laughs> it is. It is quite challenging. Uh, I've, I've, I've filmed the Chronicle Chamber team uh, attempting to play the game. It didn't quite end up in uh, fisticuffs, but I think it might have come close if we weren't in a public place. Um, but uh, I was hoping that you'd have some inside knowledge of us and you've, you've secretly slipped some extra hints into your artwork and it's not the no, case. Mate, I actually was working through an injury in that one, so I apologise for the quality of the artwork. I just had to... Uh push through and for many people that were waiting for commissions afterwards it was because of that that i couldn't draw for like six months <laughs> and, you, and you're all recovered now all recovered do you so you, your inbox is going to be inundated after this yeah, yeah, yeah. commission request now that they know yeah. that um and how much freedom did you get designing those pieces uh yeah look it was all um scripted but basically it was just open to interpretation similar to how for instance, how you and Pitchy would work. Um, so it's just uh, by panel. So rather than do it sequentially, it was usually like three panels or um, individual um, actions, I think it was. And uh, yeah, they were pretty good. I don't think there were many notes. I think there was maybe one or two that they wanted to kind of change the angle on, but everything I, I sent through, I did very rough, like digitally before I kind of dove in. I didn't want to draw the whole thing and then have to redo it. So they were pretty, um, I was dealing mostly with um, with Dale and Alex when it came to the um, the nitty gritty of it. So yeah, it was good. It, it sounds like a lot of work. Was the injury at the, at the risk of getting a uh, compensation claim against Fru Games, was the injury as a result of the work you were doing? For uh, it, look, it, it was an old injury and it flared up. And unfortunately just with the timelines the way they were, I just had to push through. So, and even after all that, it ended up getting delayed uh, in China anyway. So I think it wouldn't have mattered if I had <laughs> run a bit late, but it's all good. You made it in the end. Uh, it's it's a fantastic. Uh, the, the game looks amazing. There's a display piece in the collection. Uh, all jokes aside, it is it is beautifully uh, put together. The the guys have done a fantastic job, yeah. uh, and both Daniel and your art in that has been um, has been commented on by a lot of fans. Um, the, for those who don't know the game, uh, there's um, there's story cards that have three or four panels that that are supposed to resemble like the old daily strips uh, from the KFS strip. Uh, and they're done in the style of uh, Paul Ryan's uh, Phantom Art and uh, Jamie's distinctive style. Jamie, did you get a script for each of those things? Or were they quite prescriptive or was it you um, saying? Yeah, look, it, it was um, when it was like a difficult uh, composition, they would put, sort of put reference down, just like different points of reference. So there was like a volcano erupting or um, when they were pillaging or... Uh, they might give, you know, the vibe might be Indiana Jones when it's like, you know, the hidden wall and things like that. So these cool little throwbacks that when I'm drawing it, I actually have maybe Indiana Jones in the background playing and stuff like that, just to kind of keep me in that, you know, that mood. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty detailed. Like it, it when you read it and you would know this as a writer, you want to kind of give as much information so there's just nothing left for interpretation, it kind of goes, this is what's in my head. This is the most I can describe it. Uh, and then hopefully the artist picks up what the writer's putting down. So, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And um, 
because it was it was a long time. It was a journey that everyone went on with you watching that uh, that game develop, and it was uh, amazing to see the the support that it got. One of the things that got it over, I don't think it was a stretch goal. I think it was actually originally getting it over the line to get the game funded uh, was when they released an image of the the cover art for the box. Uh, Daniel, what came first, the trade paperback cover or the game cover, the game box cover? Um, it was actually the board, the board game. And uh, I was sorry. And and say and the same question, like how much guidance did you give on? Were you given free reign to design that cover, that box yeah. cover? Yeah. <laughs> um, Glenn's been easy to work with in that sense. He um, he just emailed me. He says, "Hey, we want to do a board game. These are the dimensions." So he showed me the because obviously it's a little bit bigger size than a normal um, standard eleven by seventeen cover that you would do for comics. Um, he gave me the dimensions. He said he gave me the some of the comics that were going to be inside of it. And he goes, um, uh, add like the Princess Sin and that whole storyline, go through that and pick your cover out of it. So uh, that's all he said. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I actually uh, provided, I like to provide multiple layouts normally. So I normally provide up to maybe about five different layouts. Um, my original one, um, was actually similar pose, but he, um, the background was Egypt. So I had the pyramids and all those kind of things in the background. And um, Princess Sin's knife, yeah, that one, was, yep. actually a cig- it was actually a cigarette. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then Glenn was like, no, 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 no. Maybe take out the cigarette. <laughs> the, uh, they are ha- smoking that is hazardous to your health. And... Um, and so there, was, there wasn't much of a to and fro on the approval process, just some minor editing, but you had two distinct uh, pieces that you were working through. Yeah, approximately the five covers that I showed him. Um, wow. pointed to the one that I like and said, um, sorry, the one he likes and said, I like that one, change the background. And he like make it the, you know, the more the village kind of vibe. Yep. Um, and then I drew the background, sent it back to him and he approved it straight away so and at that point where you we had the five layouts was that a digital process it was that you were showing him it was yeah oh, excellent yeah, oh good yeah I've, I've got a video of how if anyone ever wants to see it i can show you like a timeline video of the the digital layouts coming together oh wow and that's yeah. through, through uh, the, the layers on cintiq um yeah i do it all on the ipad yeah wow on the ipad Pro. yeah and did you know that uh, the board, the box was going to be available with the Phantom in three different distinctive uh, colours of his costume? No, I didn't know. Oh. And so I actually who, found that out when I when I opened the box. <laughs> really? <laughs> who did your colouring for that? Was that you? Um, no, it was actually another Aussie. Uh, his name is Alex Salazzo. He yep. um, has been published by DC um, on Green Lanterns and. Uh, yeah, and he did some image work as well from, I think it was called Morning Glories. <clears throat> um, he's a brilliant colorist and he was my go-to, but now he's uh, doing game design. So he's kind of given up the comic books. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, our, that's our loss. That That is an incredibly striking cover. It's, I've seen it on uh, your backdrop, uh, Julie Dietrich, who's worked um, in the, whose work appears in that uh, trade paperback. It's on her backdrop. Everyone wants it. Everyone wants to be associated with that image. So uh, just be very proud of it. Uh, you set the bar very high for yourself. 
uh, because Thank I think you. that was the first cover you did for the Phantom fans, but you'd done a print before with Catman, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So my first work was um, redesigning Catman and doing a folio piece, so an A3 folio piece. Uh, I was only cutting my teeth on the Phantom, so he's changed throughout the times that I've been drawing him and he still continues to evolve. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, add my style but be loyal to Lee Falk and the original original artist. So I'm, I'm going backwards in time and adding that flavour to my work, as you will see soon with your pages, Duncan. <laughs> well, uh, and they continue to evolve. I've been fortunate in that um, as one of your biggest fans, I've been getting to see your process work through some of the stories that we've developed together. And um, I love how your fandom has, has evolved. And um, my personal view, I've talked to a few fans and collectors about uh, your work because it is distinctive. Uh, and I think it's very, um, and I'm wanted to chat if anyone wants to offer up uh, their side on uh, Pitchy's take on the Phantom. But I think it's quite um, Ray Moore inspired because it's when the Phantom was quite live and he wasn't, hugely muscular but of the period he was like a swimmer's build and i think that comes across in you in your art and in your sequentials you nail his movement uh, and that was something i've always been uh, a fan of with size work uh, on the fandom is that he captures this moment of action that almost makes you feel like the image is is moving you've, you've caught him in a moment of action and and your pieces do that and you've made him move like a cat um but thank you. And uh, Tom in the chat is admitting that his game is still in the plastic. Uh, so we're not going to go to Tom for tips on how to play it. Um, and Bradley's admitted that he still hasn't played the game yet either. Um, and um, someone's asked who won the Chronicle Chamber game playoff at Supernova. And I think that's Germ. You were there. You were in the thing. Was it you? I think it might have been Dan. And and I think it might have been an umpire call because uh, it was like children fighting over the last matic. No, um, it, it was me. I won it. I just wanted everyone <laughs> to know that that I played it and won it. I was trying to figure out a way to keep you muted <laughs> to see if I could get you enraged in the corner as a bit of side entertainment. Um, I'm quickly going to go around and um, have a look at the uh, sketches as they're developing. So um, uh, Pitchy's gone for the old... Uh, Pistol raised in the air, which I'm liking, um, and we've got an upshot of uh, of of our hero, which I like, um, and I've seen uh, a similar image uh, in one of our stories, which I found very powerful, um, and that's looking like that piece is developing that way. Uh, Camillo is silently working away up there, but master very patiently working with that light box and getting that layout more now. Uh, I think from memory from seeing the layout, there's a weapon in the Phantom's hand there. That's like a spear or a trident or something like that. Actually a flag. Flag, that's it. That's right. And, yeah, I'm really liking how you got the leg raised up there. And Jamie's blown me away, and I don't know at what point uh, I reveal to the group that uh, I've secretly bought all the tickets for seeing to try and uh, make sure I get the pieces, but... Um, uh, those who know me know I love the Phantom uh, when he's uh, diving under the water. I like that combination of him scuba diving. And uh, Jamie looks like he's capturing that uh, tremendously with his layout. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Uh, and very jealous of whoever ends up with that piece because it's really cooking along nicely. 
Um, the Alex has asked um, if everyone's going to Sydney Supernova, Camillo. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. I think we're all guests, aren't we? Well, I, don't, I haven't been announced yet, but I think so, yeah. I just jumped the gun. I just announced all of them. I'm, I can't wait for them. To, they wait too last minute. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there as well as a guest. We said someone asking a question, I think. Um, and and what are you looking forward uh, Sorry, Duncan, you cut out. Was that a question? Really, Duncan? No, I think he's frozen. Camilo frozen. I'm going to throw it to Jamie. Uh, I believe you've been announced as one of the guests for uh, Supernova in Sydney. Uh, <laughs> well, I announced it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been made official. It's now been endorsed by Chronicle Chamber in the studio sessions. Yeah. Um, and this weekend, you've got a convention coming up. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Oz Comic Con Adelaide. I've actually never been to Adelaide. Adelaide and Perth are two new markets I haven't actually been to, which I'm excited to do. So this month is Adelaide and next month is Perth. So it's going to be a busy uh, couple of months. We've got uh, Adelaide Oz Comic Con this weekend. Then it's two weekends off. And then it's Melbourne Oz Comic Con, Sydney Supernova, and then Perth Supernova. So you're just staying inside the house, a complete hermit. We're not going to find, be able to find you anywhere. You're yeah, busily catching much. up on those commissions that you still haven't done since you did the Dracon board game. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, and um, I'm going to just remind everyone that you can uh, throw comments in the chat. I will get to it. Uh, if I'm in the middle of uh, getting one of the artists to answer a question, uh, I will come back as much as possible. Uh, and you can put little, uh, you know, tokens of appreciation on the, the guests' Um, little token, little um, squares if you want. If you right-click on there, you can show little emoticons and things like that. Like someone just given a bit of a clap there. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Uh, and Pitchy, we, uh, I think it's fair to announce that you're going to be at Sydney Supernova as a guest. Yep. And uh, for those in the group uh, who know what it is, the Lee Falk Memorial Bengali Explorers Club is uh, a Melbourne-based um uh, group that uh, gathers uh, with collectors from around Australia, around the region, and sometimes from around the world, uh, aligned to similar to the Friends of the Phantom uh, in the US uh, and the uh, Swedish um, uh, Lee Folk Explorers Club, uh, where fans get together, um, uh, talk Phantom, uh, drink and talk more about Phantom, uh, and uh, it's donate pieces from people's collections all around the world and uh, different contributors and creators from uh, different places around the world that have been associated with the Phantom now or in the past. Uh, and most of those items are auctioned off uh, to raise money for the uh, Sydney Children's Hospital, which is another fantastic cause like the one you're all helping tonight by being here. Uh, and Daniel has been announced by Richard Fry, who's the organiser of that dinner, as uh, this year's special guest. And it's the first time you've been to one of these dinners. Is that right, Daniel? Yeah, that's right. I actually caught up with Richard uh, on the weekend. He gave us, uh, we, we caught up for lunch and he explained what was going to happen throughout the night. And um, it seems like a really good course to be a part of. Long, long history. I know it's the 33rd dinner. Um, you tell me some stories about you, Duncan. <laughs> None of them are true. Being, <laughs> all in good words, all, uh, all good words, of course. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to, 
It's going to be great. Um, is anyone in in this audience going to be there as well? Uh, I I think I'll keep watching the chat, but um, I think from most of the faces there, we might not see Swaroop, but um, you'll be there in spirit. Um, uh, and I think a lot of the Aussie-based guys have indicated their attendance on one of the forums or another. Um, and I'm sure if you had Richard hit you up to do something for the evening or for do something on the evening? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, I have to put together a, um, a brand new piece for it that'll be auctioned off. And then just, and I'm just going to do like a, a quick one for everyone to watch that night. Maybe on is, some butcher's paper or something. <laughs> is, 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 that a, is that a big ask for uh, a free dinner? Uh, <laughs> look, it's a good cause. And, uh, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm actually honoured to, to be invited. I was surprised that I was invited. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a long list of distinguished people that have been there previously. So um, I'm happy just to be included. It, it is amazing company. And uh, the group that goes there, um, as one of the people who is the, uh, a new addition to, to the people fortunate enough to attend that dinner, uh, you will not find a room full of uh, more amazing fandom fans. It is uh, a very collegiate atmosphere uh, and it's very welcoming to uh, the returning people uh, and newcomers. So uh, you'll be made to feel very welcome on the night. And if you're not, I'll be there and uh, I'll stand behind and make sure you're made to feel welcome, uh, which is completely unnecessary. Uh, everyone there is absolutely amazing. Uh, and Richard and uh, Antonio uh, that put so much effort into putting the night together and making sure it goes well, um, uh, really add the polish to the evening and make it uh, a really special occasion. Each one that I've been to has been unique uh, and um, being us being able to say that we're at the one where Daniel Picciotto was uh, the guest uh, is going to be something that we'll tell in the future. Um, the so thank you for putting your hand up for that as well like that is it is you're right it is a good cause that money goes to the children's hospital um and it's it's quite an event for richard to to go after the dinner and present that check to them which they're always very grateful for uh chronicle chamber for those of you watching or listening and don't know uh have done some work behind the scenes and help create um the lee folk memorial re reinvigorate the lee folk memorial bengali explorers club website um, which um, Jermaine can ensure gets put in a link when it's released as a podcast. Uh, if you want to check out the 32 previous mm. dinners and soon see what happens with the 33rd when Pitchy um, is trying to draw while we're throwing bread rolls at him. Um, <clears throat> uh, Bradley has asked, uh, how do we get tickets to the Leaf Oak Memorial Bengal Explorers Club dinner? That's an excellent question and one that I had myself a few years ago when I found out about that dinner on Expand uh, the Fandom Podcast. So if you go to um, the LFMBEC dot, I'm going to look for Jermaine to nod, org, um, you will see uh, the information on the dinner and the contact details for how to get in touch with Richard and Antonio. Uh, if you get stuck, you can go to uh, Chronicle Chambers uh, social media or Chronicle Chambers website uh, and you'll see stories in there about the Leaf Oak Memorial Bengali Explorers Club dinner every year. It is an amazing cause. It's a fantastic opportunity to meet fan and fans that you've only ever heard of or seen online. Uh, uh, and, uh, and as Daniel said, a fantastic cause. Um, I'm just going to go through some things in the chat. 
Uh, uh, Paul M has asked, when getting requests for commissions, do you prefer to be provided a specific... I'm going to ask this to each of you, but I'm going to give you time to think I'm going to ask Camilo first because uh, I haven't talked to you for a while. Uh, when getting requests for commissions, do you prefer to be provided a specific concept idea or do you like the freedom to just do whatever you want? Uh, I much prefer the freedom, man. Um, I always pump out my best work when the person who wants a commission just lets me do whatever I want and gives me completely free reign just to come up with something myself. So what, what, cause I've, I've, as a person who asks for commissions, um, I'm always torn between uh, deferring to the artist to know better what to do, but also not giving them a completely blank slate where I've given them no kind of idea of what I'm expecting. You don't care about that. You just want let, I'll tell you what you'll like. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, I'll tell you what I like. Right. Um, I mean, and, it's not as if it's a, it's, it's not a problem if someone comes and says, oh, I'd like something in this, um, you know, this sort of range or like, you know, along these lines. I think when it starts to become a bit detrimental is if they ask for something really, really specific, you know? Yep. I want Phantom on the throne with his left hand on his right knee, and you know, that's when it starts to become a bit, um, a bit, a bit, you know, constraint. It's a bit too many constraints for me. Uh, uh, to be fair, when I asked for that, I offered to pose for you for three hours in front of your commission table while you were sketching it. I thought that would help. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I spoke to an artist uh, at a convention in Canada once who was doing a commission and. Um, he was kind of chuckling to himself while he was doing it. And I asked him, you know, what's, what's so funny? And it was that the woman, he, he was famous for doing a uh, kid's cartoon series that had these two animated dogs um, as, as secondary characters in the cartoon. And this, you know, middle-aged woman had come to him at the convention with photos of her dogs and said, can you draw this character with my dogs in the background as in the style of the two background dogs of your TV show. So I think that's the example of where you're saying a little too specific yeah, yeah. versus someone just coming up to you and going, can you draw Batman and make it cool? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's, it's good to know that, um, that you enjoy that freedom to me who has no artistic talent, it would be too much pressure, uh, to want to please the other person. So good on you that, uh, um, that you, you know that we, we can just trust you. And we've seen that from the pinups you've done of the Phantom and you've done commissions for me and, uh, and absolutely blow me away. So uh, your style is good. Continue. Okay, okay. Um, Jamie, same question to you. So someone's coming up either online through your uh, socials or at a live convention uh, when, on the rare occasions where you do those and you're getting requests for commission and do you prefer someone to be specific? For the concept idea, or give you that freedom to um, look. If, if, for instance, there's um, collectors that have a certain uh, aesthetic that they stick to or a theme. So there's sometimes it's like Phantom on the Throne or things like that. So I'm happy to keep it within that, but I do prefer the freedom, um, so we can kind of come up with the composition and I guess even what materials we use too. Because sometimes we're doing the same character and there's only so many poses you can do and drawing the phantom you know we can ink it we can use copics we can use ink wash 
just kind of whatever, you know, what mood strikes, I think. Um, I prefer that kind of uh, freedom. I'll usually run it by them. It's it's very collaborative because obviously they're giving you their hard-earned money and, you know, you don't want to <laughs> take the mickey. Um, but, yeah, I, I do prefer the freedom to kind of do my take on the Phantom, uh, which is what I presume they kind of are wanting and paying for. And uh, what what about someone coming to you um, with one of with a reference to a previous work that you've done or a previous piece that you've done? You, you always have a lot of prints up on your um, in your display at, at your booth. Yeah. Um, if they're asking you to kind of do again what you've done before, does that make a difference to you? Uh, no, that's that's fun. Like I, I like little homages, as it's been you know uh, alluded to, and I've been asked to homage myself. Uh, like I had to do redo a turtles cover in the Dimitri Vegas's Dino Warriors thing, and he, it was literally go take my characters and do what you did with that cover, and I'm like, cool, no worries. Um, it's always a bit of fun, bit of a nod to the original, um, but yeah, it's it's fine, whatever they want. I'm pretty open to be honest with you, but usually I say if someone wants something specific, tell me before the show, like lead into the show. Um, cause that way I can actually play around with it and do it, take the time at home. Um, cause they obviously have something in mind. It's a lot harder to execute at a show cause you're being pulled every which way you have panels and people want to talk to you while you're signing stuff. And, um, so I would say if anyone wants anything specific, get us on the lead into the show. If you know, I'm coming to your city, tell me two weeks out, not the day before. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, for Sydney, are you taking commission requests from people in advance? Yeah, I'm only doing three commissions per show, uh, like pre-commissions. Uh, I think I've got two left for Sydney. Okay, um, and and you're and you're heading to Perth, so Jermaine uh, will no doubt uh, be ensuring <laughs> he's he's ingratiating his his access to you to make sure he can secure his mates those three uh, prize positions, uh, and uh, Pitchy. Um, free reign or do you want to have, uh, <laughs> I know the answer to this because we've been working on a script. Do you want to be told what to draw or do you want to have free reign to tell the story of the picture yourself? <laughs> I'm interested now, Ducker. What's the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, in between, I think a little bit like Camillo said as well with, uh, you know, free reign, but also um, I like a theme, you know, I like someone knowing, what they're after, you know, if someone says to me, hey, draw the Phantom on a pirate ship, I might, but you can have free reign and play with that. That's probably the most exciting thing because I can draw whatever comes, like whatever, whatever image comes to my head. Whereas if they have a very specific thing, like, hey, draw my dogs with this pose, <laughs> and it becomes too um, formulaic and, uh, and there's no real inspiration creativity, uh, creative-wise there. And then also um, I don't do like likenesses and things like that. So if someone says, hey, can you draw me as Superman? It's yeah, that's all open to, open to your interpretation. I can make it look like, I think it looks like you, but you may not think so. So <laughs> I don't want to risk it. I prefer just to, um, I had a really cool one recently. Someone said, hey, can you draw Wolverine with like a Japanese background? And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, I did that. So that was pretty fun. That, that came out great. I've seen that on you. I saw that on your so I've seen that. I saw that on your socials. It was uh it really came out well. So it was it was a good mix of some guidance and giving you that freedom. 
And yeah, yes, I, um, funny, funny story about that. Sorry, Jamie. I oh, know someone just asked me a question. I said, yes, it is a knife. Oh. Funny story about that Wolverine though. So I, um, it was for a sketch card with the commission from um, Comic-Con. And uh, I was doing the sketch cover. And while I was doing that, I actually came out with a layout for the Wolverine that I really wanted to do. But I wanted to place a lot of detail to it. And I said to them, hey, like, look, can I do this as an 11 by 17 piece? I won't even charge you extra. I just really want to draw this. And they said, no, 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 I want it as a sketch cover. <laughs> so I did the sketch cover for them. But because it's a, such a small little A4 piece, like smaller, you can only fit so much detail on it. So I gave that drawing to them and then I did my own drawing of Wolverine that I really wanted to get out. And you'll find that on my Instagram uh, if you if you check it out. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Jamie, someone was asking you about the knife. What are you doing with the knife? Put it there. Uh, just, there's like a little um, strap here and it's just the just a little knife and his little, like a hilt thing here. Okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you were using one of those techniques where the, you know, you're roughing up the paper. <laughs> no. um, now, uh, so Swaroop has been, I'll be there in spirit. He's talking about the Lee Folk, um, uh, the Lee Folk Memorial Bengali Explorers Club dinner. Uh, I'll be there from Swaroop, I'll be there in spirit as well and have a few uh, people getting together. Few, oh, you're getting a few people to get things signed for you. That old chestnut. Excellent work. Uh, um, we'll make sure that, uh, that, um, that gets sorted if you get stuck. Uh, there's plenty of people in this group uh, that will be more than happy to help you out. Um, uh, Chronicle Chambers provided the link to the LFMBEC website that they've helped create. So you can go back there and see the past dinners um, and it'll have information on how to get in touch with Richard and Antonio. But if you get stuck, uh, go to the Chronicle Chamber website because there's plenty of stories on there that also provide those links to make that contact. Uh, and as I said before, that's how I uh, was able to join um, the people fortunate enough to attend that dinner. Uh, and Swoop has said, thanks, Chris. I'm also taking turns uh, pinning the drawing windows one by one. Clearly, uh, Swoop is not impressed enough by my uh, smiling face to uh, keep entertained and my droning voice is enough. Uh, to keep him posted, to keep him uh, scrolling through those pictures. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of screenshots getting taken uh, with close-ups of those pinned pictures as we get the progress shots from everybody. Uh, look forward to seeing those on everyone's social media tomorrow. Uh, another also from Saroop, they must have been asked many times, but before we have three artists at work today, so here goes. And I'm going to read the question to everyone and then I'll go around to you and just uh, recap it again. So as cover artists, how do you guys go about conceptualising a cover, especially when a book has multiple stories in it? What factors from the stories influence the cover concept? And Pidgey kind of talked about this with the trade cover, uh, which uh, had several stories in it, some classic um uh, Team Fantoman stories and then the new one from uh, Julie Dietrich. Did you read the whole book, have access to the whole book from Glenn or just some concept images? Uh, just, I think, the Princess stories um, uh, issues in the, in the back of it, I think. Of it. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't see no Julie's story. Oh, yeah. It's the other It's the other one. It's, a, it's the Treasures of Yukon. It's the... Um, um, 
it's the Jason Paulos story that was in it that was new. Yeah. Which might. Yeah. Um, um, and so you you mentioned in there that you had five separate covers for that trade. If we looked at some of your other issues that we've seen come out from through, and you've if people have been paying attention, you dropped a hint to one that's coming out soon. Uh, I think in in one of your descriptions, but um, uh, there's been a mix of with your other covers. Some have been stories that have got a mix of a, of a new story in there with a new uh, creator and some classic Lee Falk Siberia um, stories. Uh, the held to account cover where you kind of did it like a, almost like a movie poster where there's a composition and it included elements from both stories. Maybe to answer Swarup's question, how did you come by that composition? Um, yeah, good question. So I actually, um, similar scenario, I was given the story beforehand, so I was able to read um, your story and um, and then pick out the important characters, what was happening, what the key moments were. Obviously, when you're doing a cover, I'm the kind of cover artist that don't want, doesn't want to showcase what actually happens inside the book. I prefer to leave um, those kind of surprises to when you actually read it. Um, it was a front and back cover, so I've been asked to do a lot of those wraparounds. Um, so, Dun uh, sorry, Glenn wanted to make sure I I got your story, and then there was another story in the back, right? So, I um, I needed to get both elements in there, and just looking at the the cool action that was happening, I just got this James Bond vibe. So that's why I went for like a James Bond esque um, like format. I actually did again a few layouts for that, and I did this really one that I, I actually really liked it. Um, it was Phantom um, on um, one of those shipping ships with those containers, and he was on top of that with um, with some guys with guns pointing up at him. Um, and I thought it was a really cool image. But Glenn was like, "Let's just go for the other one that became the cover," um, and I'm glad because. I think it turned out well. Um, it was probably it was my first published cover from through um, your held to account story, mm. and um, yeah, I was pretty pretty thankful for that. But yeah, and it it was a. Um... It was an embarrassment of riches for Fru to be able to choose because I saw those layouts for that cover uh, and they, they couldn't make a wrong decision. Um, but I think the, the final result uh, was not was, was remarkable. Very cinematic, in my opinion. And uh, the, the other story that was in there was one of my favourite um, uh, classic Lee Falk Cyberry stories at the, to me at their height, uh, The Wharf Rats. Um, and it was very much a stylized of the time. Uh, when I read it, I hear the smooth jazz music playing in the background on that ship that the, the bad guys are on. And you have incorporated staying true to the Phantom style, but covered Jeff Weigel as a current uh, strip artist and the classic Cyberry elements, uh, putting your own style on it. What was it like using size work as a reference in terms of inspiration for what to put on that cover? Yeah, it's um, I, I love I love Jeff uh, Weigel's work. I have to say that I definitely think he's got a great Phantom style. Um, in in reading Cy Barry's story, 
uh, he's got a lot of character, right? So there's a lot of, um, even though it's like a traditional, what is it, the 50s, 60s? Uh, I think that one's the 50s. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an older style, but it's also um, really cool in that um, just the ink work, the brush work, um, the amount of character they can place into those strips um, really is like timeless. So it's better than most work today. So uh, just trying to trying to capture the same character that he's placed into those stories, into into the into the cover. That's what the goal was, anyway. <laughs> well, you success um, because that was a fantastic cover, and as the fans have been voting for the last few years, uh, something that's been popular with. Uh, across a, a wide spectrum of fans. Uh, Camillo, you've done uh, some pinup stuff for the Phantom where you've kind of haven't been influenced by a story, you've had a bit of free reign, um, but a lot of your variant covers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Killaroo, uh, that kind of work uh, is associated with a particular issue. Do you see those uh, image and IDW stories before you start? Um, no, nah, the IDW stuff, they keep everything on. Like, you're not allowed to see any of the scripts or pages before they actually get published. But um, I had, like, a, you know, a bit of an idea of what the book was going to be about. Um, when, I'm, when I'm doing a cover, like, I try to think of mostly what the fans would like to see. So, for example, those, those turtle covers I did, specifically the, the, um, the last Ronin ones, especially issue two, um, I tried to like sort of pay some fan service because I'm a huge fan as well. Like I just basically drew what what I would like to see and like maybe, you know, give a sort of a, a wink at like a past Ninja Turtle moment that was iconic. So um, yeah, that's what I try to keep in mind. I try to keep in mind what the fans would want to would want to buy basically, what they want to own and like, you know, keep and collect. So um, yeah, with the Phantom stuff, I haven't been as lucky because I haven't really done a, a cover. You know, I've done, I done a back cover, which um, which was like a sort of a happy accident. You know, it was meant to be a um, it was meant to be just a sample to show Glenn that I could draw the Phantom, and then he used it. You know, he had a free page and he used it. And um, then we done the bushfire piece. You know, and um, it's more about I guess I tried to think about staying true, like you know, showing showing some sort of personality of the character. You know, so I try to, in some way, give that like a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of characterization to him in what he's doing. But I haven't been as, as lucky to be given a story and actually go and do a cover for it, you know. Now, I'm sure it's only a matter of time, but you're, if you if you got the chance to choose, you've seen a bit of traditional Phantom art, which goes back 80 years, uh, and you've seen some of the more modern stuff with some different interpretations of the character. Which would you prefer to, to be able to get to work on? Putting your style on a uh, an older classic story or um, a new one? Well, to be honest, I, I, I love seeing, like, you know, Pidgey's covers and Jamie's covers and seeing what they do with them. And I'd like to challenge myself and, you know, really, like, make a, a cool layout with, um, you know, sort of like, like they look like movie posters with, like, trying to be telling the story in, in one big piece. I'd like to challenge myself with that. It's something that I haven't done before. Um, but yeah, that's probably what, what I'd lean towards doing. And you, it, it must have been a, a thrill for you to be able to put your talent and your creativity towards a, 
IP that you you were a fan of uh, growing up, like Ninja Turtles. It, TMNT kind of went away and came back again. Uh, what did you What did you f- feel like as a fan when it started to get a resurgence with another generation? I mean, I don't really think it went away and came back. Sort of like the Phantom fans think that he's you no, know, he's he hasn't gone away and come back or gone away or anything. When you're a fan, like they're always around. I mm-hmm. think like every generation has a has a interpretation of the turtles that they love, you know, and mine ones from the nineties and seeing like the last Ronin series come back, which is like a situation mm-hmm. of what I grew up on. That was cool. So, yeah. oh, fantastic. And that cover is really, was really well put together. You did a fantastic job. Thanks, um, Jamie, mm-hmm. as the, probably the artist that we've had here that was, uh, we've seen the most variation in fandom covers from, uh, Sarip's question was about um, how do you go about conceptualising the cover, especially when it's a book with multiple stories, which you've had, um, and you've had quite a few with single issues as well, and you've had, uh, you were the first one to do the interconnecting covers for Fru, uh, and you did one with three and then one with two uh, joining up together. What factors from the stories influence those cover concepts? Oh, amazing. Um uh it's weird i'm i feel like i'm a bit pigeonholed with the styles i i obviously made no secret that i was always influenced by like image you know style and like the jim lee and and that sort of um kind of dynamic art and um i feel like the scandinavian stories lend to my style more and i think i've only ever really done mostly scandinavian stories um so when i get them they're all just pictures because I can't read Norwegian or Finnish or whatever, <laughs> whatever we're looking at, Swedish. Um, yeah. So uh, what I tend to do is you got to think like cinematically, you've got seconds to kind of capture the, uh, the reader's attention. Like, and if you're going up on a wall with Marvel and DC and things like that, I'd like to think that our covers can kind of hold up against that, or at least try to, because uh, it, it's, you know, we're at a lower price point. So that, that's one advantage we have for the Phantom uh, comics. But um, you've got some, you know, really classic styles like Jeremy McPherson, uh, really kind of energetic stuff like Paul Mason and then people like Pitchy or myself who like to do that kind of more uh, dynamic art. Um, but, yeah, to come up with the the composition is just basically looking at key scenes without giving too much away, trying to at least incorporate at least a bad guy or like the antagonist. And then, you know, draw Phantom as many times as you can so you can sell the original art. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and because we, because Fru keep coming back to the Jamie Johnson well, we know that that's a, uh, a recipe that's working well. Um, so I'd say you're on a winning formula and you should stick to that. Uh, but thank, I think that should answer uh, Sarup's question with that. Um, I'm just going to go through a bit of love in the chat. Uh, before that, Jermaine Parker, fandom detective, is correcting me and telling me that Wolf Rats is 1962 and 1999, uh, which is which is um, is correct. Which was uh, that story, the story that Pitchy was talking about. Um, and Chris Hills backing up Sarup's suggestion to pin each picture so you can see them much better. So that's the, the, the layout that you are seeing in the gallery view, you can change that. 
So if you want to just see the art, you can pin that. But if uh, we change it, it'll only change what's being recorded by Chronicle Chamber to appear on the podcast. So if you right-click on the thing you want to look at, if you want to get really in close to that artwork instead of um, cutting to me every time uh, my mouth opens, which seems to be a lot, uh, right-click on the image and you can select pin and you can uh, really get in close. Um, pitch is a good one to be looking at now um, because I really like the fine uh, work that he does when he goes into that detail around the muscle uh, put some of that shading in and a little cross hatching uh, around the phantom's cow. Um, and uh, Camillo with the light box because um, you, you're able to see where that flag's coming out in there. There's a question in the chat, uh, Camillo, about the flag. Uh, I think it's probably a Ukrainian flag. Am I right? No, it's yeah. not a peace symbol. Peace symbol. Oh, this is the this is uh, the full metal jacket duality of man. What is why does your war helmet have a peace symbol on it? So, um, uh, and and what was the uh, inspiration there? Because this has grown out of um, Chronicle Chamber getting on the back of Salvaludo's uh, call out to the artist to contribute to the UNICEF cause. Yeah, that's right. And um, and there's a peace sign in the background too, right? On the right. so there's a there's going to be like some rubble that is sticking up that sort of forms a peace sign around it. It's an amazing mood that that, that piece is coming is coming along together really well, uh, and Tom's also asked uh, in relation to the flag, is that a knife on the right leg? Which I think uh, Jamie answered live, um, which uh, is uh, a good. Ha a, oh, it's a diving knife. So I think uh, we're seeing the moment before there's uh, he's taking on a shark or something. I didn't um, want to be too uh, too aggressive, but he's going to have a spear gun. So there you go. <coughs> and, and we could be here for a while. So uh, good for a suggestion from Swoop to pin each picture. I can see them much better. Um, and Bradley's saying he's hoping he'll be able to make his way down to Supernova in June. That would be fantastic. I think the first time I ever met Bradley uh, was at a Sydney Supernova, I think at Jamie Johnson's table. Um, I think it was Melbourne, wasn't it? Was it Sydney? I think it was Sydney. Okay, you go everywhere, don't you? But and it's and if I have to go back to Instagram to prove that you're wrong again, we're... <laughs> uh, and uh, Chronicle Chambers giving out a bit of love uh, to Camillo, saying amazing work. Um, it sounds like uh, everyone's jumped on board with uh, pinning the pictures and are getting a closer look at the artists, getting their work done, which is what we've come here for. Uh, Bradley is confirming that I am right, Jamie, and that it was Sydney and it was at Supernova. Thank you, Bradley. Uh, you've earned yourself uh, free Coke when we meet up at Supernova. Um, just going to look through some more of the love in the chat. Terry, to everyone, I love the drawing that Jamie did on the back cover of his sketchbook. It was a nice surprise. So is that the... Um, uh, the sketch that was that the one where you had this you you could do a sketch to request like it was a commission sketch on the back of your sketch cover yeah so my sketchbook darren close uh from killaroo uh designed it i'll show you an example um it's like it's got the on the front and then on the back it's just blank so you can kind of do like a a layout so i believe if that's Terry Cray, it was the Phantom 
in a slight upshot on rooftops with both guns kind of drawn, which was a fun one to do. And uh, sketch those sketchbooks still available, Jamie? Uh, they are. I'll have them with me at the conventions. I should have another volume coming out soon as well, um, hopefully by the Sydney show. But not in time to include this uh, diving piece that we're seeing get created before our eyes here? Uh, possibly. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm hoping this isn't the last time. Wherever it goes into a private collection tonight isn't the last time I get to see that image. It's really coming along nicely. Uh, and if you want to have a look, closer look at Jamie's work, uh, if you're in the chat, 8.14pm, uh, Chris Hill gives uh, detailed instructions on uh, how to get a closer look at that artwork, um, especially when everyone's talking at the same time and John's backed him up. So just 8.14 if you're not sure, you're unfamiliar with Zoom and you want a bit more help with that. Uh, John C, Chronicle Chamber, so Jermaine. Terry, Trevor Clark have all said yes, going to the dinner. And Alex is coming to dinner for the first time. So, Pitchy, you won't be alone. You have a fellow creator there to uh, hold your hand if uh, we all make you very nervous. Um, the um, Jamie, Terry asks that Jamie mentioned Melbourne Supernova. He will attend. Yeah. Uh, are Daniel and Camillo attending? Camillo, are you going to Melbourne? Um. Melbourne Supernova, just saying. Sorry. Mm, yeah. I'll be at um, Melbourne Oz Comic Con. Is it Oz Comic Con you're going to, Jamie? Uh, both. Both. Oh, no. I think Supernova's done. Um, yeah. I had COVID. I couldn't go. <laughs> so Oz Comic Con in Melbourne is soon. June? It's the... uh, next month, yeah. And so we will see you, Camilla. Yeah, you will. And uh, someone looking for who's based in Melbourne looking for commissions from you or requests from you for a particular piece of uh, art or work or a sketch cover or anything like that, just yeah. getting in touch with you through your socials. Yeah, through my social media. So Insta, we'll put it in the in the um, in the post at the end. But Instacam underscore Illo, so Insta Camillo uh, on Instagram to uh, check out Camillo's work uh, and get in touch with him if he's chasing something before a live appearance. Uh, and Pitchy, Melbourne, Oz Comic Con. Will we see? Uh, I won't be there. I got a, I got invited, but I just don't have a place to stay. So I um, <laughs> thought I'd save some money and not go yet. But I most likely will be doing Brisbane this year. If you know anyone in Brisbane, I'll be there. Um, but yeah, right now I'm just Sydney. Uh, yeah, obviously, Jamie Johnson hasn't put you in touch with his Melbourne Uber driver. Um, <laughs> the. Um, who could have hooked you up with somewhere to stay um, and Brisbane. So that's helpful because there's a few people uh, I'm seeing uh, in the, in the group uh, that are based there. And I'm sure we'll be uh, looking forward to the opportunity to get to see your work up close and personal. Um, so it's always cool to meet people in the flesh. Uh, you. And Alex coming to his first, uh, first time at the Phantom dinner. This is. Uh, I will say it's a, uh... Shout out to Alex. He's done some awesome covers uh, this past year. If anyone's seen those ones, there are um, there is some amazing uh, um, talent giving you a run for your money. And Alex is hot on your heels with uh, some of his covers. The response as they come out uh, has been tremendous. The one Orient Express where he's jumping out of the window onto the train it was a great action. And again, competing with you for those wraparound covers. Um. And, 
We've also got, uh, when will Brisbane be? Tom is asking about Brisbane Supernova. When is it, Pitchy? Uh, September, I believe. And Jamie, you were going to that one? I think I'm going to every convention. <laughs> Do you know when the dates are? Uh, if you jump on my socials, I, I posted it about two weeks ago and I just put Oz Comic Con in one column and Supernova in the next. So they're all, there's an Oz Comic Con in Canberra in August. There is Sydney Super, uh, Sydney Oz Comic Con in September, I believe. And then I think, yeah, Brisbane. Is it Supernova Oz Comic I, I can't remember. So Brisbane is uh, November the 5th to the 6th. And it sounds like Supernova. I'm going to wait for Jermaine to post it in the chat because I think he's just looked the dates up. It's Supernova. So Oz Comic Con, I think you did already, and Paul Mason might have been there. Which one was that, though? Brizzy? Yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. And so November 5th to the 6th for uh, Tom asking when that's going to be. And uh, Alex Tripp is saying thank you, Daniel, for uh, the shout-out from another creator. Uh, and, uh, and not hollow words, like uh, I have heard... Um, uh, tremendous comments about the artwork for the three artists that we've got sketching for us here uh, and about Alex, who uh, my understanding is works uh, digitally a lot more than some of the others, but I've also seen his originals uh, in real life as well, and they are incredible. Um, and the way uh, Trip does some of the other um, characters that he's worked on uh, is very impressive as well, and um, it really has his, his own style. Uh, Bradley's talking about um, was honest when we were talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Camillo and he's reminiscing about he used to watch the old late 2000s TMNT show uh, and the old Spider-Man TV show on a weekend is Spider-Man a character that you you enjoy drawing Camillo? I love Spider-Man he's one of my favourite characters and you, you've done um, for those of you for those uh, watching and listening that aren't sure you've done uh, a series of prints off the back of your uh, TMNT work for IDW, so your Ninja Turtles, and you've done the Turtles through the ages because you've been a fan for that long and you've seen the evolution of those characters through a different through yeah. different formats. Can you tell us about, did, did someone ask you to do that or was that something that, uh, a project for you that uh, we've got to enjoy? No, that was, no one asked me to do that, but um, what happened was around, when I started, that was around the time um, COVID just kicked off and um I knew that I wasn't going to have any conventions for the foreseeable future. I didn't know how much work I was going to be getting. So um, off the back of getting that one um, Turtles cover, I'm like, I better, I better do something to um, sort of like, you know, push this momentum and try to try to make some money off it, you know? So um, I, um, I started those Turtles Through the Ages series and then um, just over the course of the, the lockdown, it exploded on social media. So um, I think it took me from like 2,000 followers to 10,000 followers. And it was basically, those, those, those prints basically were my salary for the, for the next two years. Wow. To more Ninja Turtle work, you know? So the more good things that came of it, I just continued it, you know? Until finally I got sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was bound to get sick of it sooner or later, you know. I, I think I drew about, I drew six different characters nine times each. Wow. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of work, man. And um, 
but it definitely was worth. As I said, it, it paid my bills for the next two years during COVID. And which was first? Which character did you do first? It was Leonardo, and I hadn't even, I never even really planned on doing through the ages. I drew Leonardo in the old Mirage style. Yep. And then um, after that, I thought, oh, maybe I'll draw him in the in the in the cartoon style too. By the time I decided I'd be doing through the ages, I think I was like, I'd only drawn three, three Leonardos. And I'm like, you know what, I'll make it a thing. I'll draw, I'll draw nine Leonardos. And I'll end it there. And then I ended up drawing every single one of them nine times. Wow. And so the four, the four original turtles, Jenica? No, I didn't do Jenica. No. Uh, April? Four original turtles. I done um Splinter and Shredder. Splinter and Shredder. Casey Jones and April. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I remember seeing the April one uh, yeah. coming out. I'm really impressed with that because I didn't even realise the amount of variation there'd been in those characters. So you're, and for those who, who don't know, um, haven't seen them online uh, or at the live appearances, uh, it's it's a bit like a generations uh, of the, the IP for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so the different styles from different artists across different um, uh, mediums since uh, the 80s when they came out. Um now, Camilo, the Phantom is sitting right there with 21 generations uh, and we've seen Jeff Weigel's interpretation where he's given his own in impression or interpretation of what he thinks, you know, some some different generations of the Phantom might have added as flair or zhuzh uh, to the Phantom costume. Uh, would you consider doing something like that for a uh, Phantom through the ages when you've got 400 years to work through instead of 40? <laughs> I'm I bumped him in. As I said, like it's not a it wasn't a um it wasn't like I've I've chosen turtles over over Phantom or anything like that. I'd love to do it, um, but it was more the the turtles happened just out of the fact that I was getting published pretty regularly that like you know, three times in the last two years or so. So that's why I did the turtles. Otherwise I'd love to do Phantom as well. Um one thing is I, I don't know if I'd be able to make prints of them like I did the turtle stuff mm -hmm. because um when I did do the phantom stuff I was told not to do any any prints or anything like that so I'm until I'm told otherwise I don't think I'd, I'd print them out and sell them off because um I don't want to ruin my chances of getting any more work and we don't want to get you in trouble either but it sound there if anyone is going to commission a piece like that from you they're probably uh, in this uh, audience uh, and um, through if you end up listening to the podcast or watching the video cast uh, there's a talented artist there that has proven that they can do characters through the generations and make it popular if you're listening to those social media numbers that's incredible other people have to spend six months trying to get a golf ball into a cup from the other end of the hallway to get that kind of attention online. Um, Camilo, that work you're doing there is amazing. And um, Bradley Kelly is reinforcing that and saying that those TMNT artworks that you did the through the ages are amazing. Um, Bradley, for those who don't know, is a, a massive uh, pop culture fan. He has his own uh, podcast and YouTube channel um, and is a, voracious content generator um and so we'll obviously um learn a lot from watching camillo's mastery of uh of social media um uh, and sounds like a big fan so I, I think i know whose table bradley's going to uh when he goes to supernova uh joe has put into the chat that she's enjoying watching all the artwork come along 
she's seen Jamie, Joe has seen Jamie draw many times, and I'm also impressed with how his work comes together. Uh, also fantastic work watching Daniel and Camilo's work in progress. And Daniel's giving me a thumbs up to everybody. And uh, it's not a race, uh, but if you guys are looking at the, uh, at the other artists' um, streams as you're working, uh, they're all coming along incredibly and you all seem to be lifting your game simultaneously to keep up with each other. I think the difficult decision here is if you won, um, is, is which one you want to be taking home. I can see people salivating because they've left their cameras on. Um, the Camilo, that, that composition with the peace sign in the background and then the flag, uh, I think that's a, uh, a really good mood. That's, what, uh, that's how I'm seeing that piece coming together. Uh, and, guys, we are uh, really appreciative of you uh, letting us be involved in this uh, private moment. And if anyone's keeping count, Daniel hasn't double tapped on his uh, sketchbook once. <laughs> uh, uh, Pitchy, you seem to work from the top to the bottom when you get to your inking. Is that about uh, not smudging your work? Or is it about you just, that's how you set in your mind one piece at a time? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm right-handed. So from left to right, top to bottom is normally where I go. But I um, I generally do, it's going to sound funny, but I generally try to do the hard stuff first. So if I wasn't on camera, I would tackle the hard, most detailed stuff. And then I, um, after that's all done, I just get to let my brain rest and, blacking everything <laughs> but i thought as uh, as everyone's watching i thought i would um uh, completely do the piece from top to bottom this one time we appreciate you putting yourself out for us we take a contortionist when you say the difficult bit you do first you've seen my layouts when i've tried to explain something i'm describing in words to you so every yeah. part of the picture is the difficult part the piece that you're working on there if you weren't doing it live what would be what would constitute a difficult part that you'd start with first? His chest, his head. Um, to be honest with you, I kind of cheated. So the part that I did cheat, where I did these layouts, I actually the, the hardest part would be the hands and the gun. Oh wow! And if anyone's paying attention, I had that done before we started because <laughs> it would have taken it would have taken forever. I probably, that sounds like I our sketch offs. I, I repenciled the gun a couple of times. Is, are there six started sketches with guns half inked on the floor behind the house, <laughs> out of view of the camera? So, yeah, exactly right. That's amazing. Yeah. And and that you can switch it up and do uh, that for us for our enjoyment is uh, is absolutely incredible and something I remain in awe of every time I see your work. Jamie, uh, Thank you. uh, you, uh Jamie, your, um, your piece there with... Where has this come from? Tell me. I know the inspiration. Where is the inspiration for this piece? Where has it come from? You told us uh, you were listening to Indiana Jones music to try and draw <laughs> game pieces. Uh, which uh, which IP? What was playing in the background? What soundtrack was playing in the background when this so, idea came to you? Nothing was playing in the background, but I've always wanted to do phantom diving. Uh, I was always fascinated with sharks when I was little, but um, my favourite film growing up, my dad and I used to watch Thunderball. Uh, which is a James Bond, as you're well aware. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of the, uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, there's a kind of scenes where they're diving and uh, he's in the 
a pool and they actually release all these sharks and there's like scuba diving and it's real like 60s frog suit skin diving you know double back like yeah real old school kind of feel um yeah so that's kind of the inspiration for it uh whether i'm pulling it off or not is another thing but it's uh it's fun to do nonetheless and so the person that ends up with that piece uh can negotiate with you separately for uh, adding to the throwing you a bit extra to put honey rider in the piece with him as well <laughs> in that one piece bathing suit I um I actually did during lockdown. It was really kind of cool. Um, Stephen Sebart, uh, Sebart, yeah, he um commissioned me to do a domino. Um, oh wow! Which was cool. Just holding the spear gun and the bikini and things like that when I was doing like the live streams. So that was a uh, that was a good fun, and that kind of got me thinking of doing this piece. And I never got around to it. And uh, yeah, thought what better time than you know a charity stream. So yeah. Now, uh, knowing you, I think we will see this image somewhere else. And and looking at these, the all three pieces, uh, I know Fru looks at the podcast and listens to the podcast afterwards uh, because Jermaine is uh, secretly the editorial um, inspiration behind a lot of the creative decisions at Fru, um, and he uses this as his influence machine. Uh, these are, these are cover quality pieces that are getting created here. So um, the people who've paid their entry fee to come in tonight for a chance to win these pieces are going to walk away very happy. Uh, and if they subsequently end up uh, on the newsstands because they've been turning the covers, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, we've got uh, Bradley asking a question again. Uh, so he's just saying he saw Camilla last year and asked a question of him. So... Do you know the guy who asked you a question last year, Camilo? That was Bradley. Yeah, I know Bradley. Yeah, so, um, and it sounds like uh, it's it's a few more opportunities coming up uh, for Bradley to get some more content, talking to you guys live at the shows. Uh, Tom is asking everyone, will the artists sign their pieces? Absolutely. And. And we'll check. Uh, we'll, we'll check with you um, if you're the winner to ensure that if you want a dedication or something like that on the piece, uh, that the, the artists know that before it ends up in the mail. Uh, and um, I think everyone just indicated that yes, they will do that. Um, Brad is also asking, and I'll ask. It's for all three of you, so I'll read the question and then go around. And without nominating first, like a good school teacher, if Stephen was here, he'd be proud of me. Uh, when you are drawing female characters. Uh, do you have any tips on that, Pitchy? You draw beautiful women, uh, spoken like a sad comic book nerd that I am, but you, you're, uh, uh, the stuff you've done in our sequentials is amazing uh, and the, I've seen your development sketches where you've drawn female characters and your Wonder Woman is, uh, is, is one of my favourite interpretations of that character. When you're drawing female characters, do you have any tips on that for aspiring oh, thank artists? Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. I um. Uh, so, so for aspiring uh, aspiring artists, is it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming he's asking that, or he might just be yep. drawing women in his lounge room to talk to. I, uh, to be honest, just the way that I approach it is, um, is that I try to mix a few different elements. Right. I try to tr- stay true to the character. Um, their body type, and then uh, how to make them look sexy but not like trashy. And I think these days that is uh, a really big thing that you need to be aware of. 
Um, I know back in the 90s, you would find a lot of pinup sketches and swimsuit models and all the different types. You know, there are artists that still do that kind of stuff, but I prefer to, my personal taste is try to make it classy. So sexy with um, some flair to it um, in terms of, you know, uh, let the sexiness be in, as part of the the action or the mood as, as opposed to minimal clothing. Uh, that's my personal taste to it. And and I guess I just try and draw the kind of faces and things that I would find attractive. Um, and from the artists that inspire me um, the most, there are heaps of artists that draw sexy women, but not very few do. Only the best ones I would say do classy kind of work. Um, I mean, take your pick. I mean, some people like sexy work and there's nothing wrong with sexy, I guess, but I think, uh, you know, some people like Frank Cho. Some people think it's a little bit too far. Mm -hmm. um, I love J. Scott Campbell. I know he does sexy really well, but in a stylized Disney kind of way. Um, old school Jim Lee, so 90s Jim Lee, I think uh, pushed the, the barriers to the line, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think I just try and go through inspiration and then try and stay, stay with the times. And especially these days, I try and um, match their body types to what they would be. So if I was to draw Wonder Woman now, I'd probably do her a little bit more um, physically strong, you know, as opposed to being sexy. So yeah, that's my personal take. I think the way you've done uh, Wonder Woman is, is that balance, does strike that balance. Um, and you're right, it is because it is important, particularly in the in the creative uh, creative arts and in with comic uh, comics as a, uh, the basis for where a lot of the fan base is coming from or getting exposed to your work um, because it's it's part of the development of uh, young readers or young fans. My, um, from all genders, um, and it's about the image that you're portraying with that. I think your work um, finds that balance quite well where um, you are matching the, the the look of the character to the character itself. Um, yeah, so well you. done. Um, Camilo, drawing females, is that why you didn't do the Jenica through the ages? <laughs> I've done April, she's a female. But uh, I'll probably, I'll probably always struggle with drawing females. Um, the best I, like advice I would give is like look at look at real life. So always, always try to study real life and learn from that. And um, I found that less lines on a female's face is better. And that's that's like my my hot hot little tip for drawing female faces: just use the least lines as possible. Just two eyes and no mouth. Yeah, no mouth. No, and, and you, but you mean uh, in terms of showing the, the the mouth movement when they're in action, like they're talking, or to make them look younger? Well, I mean, I mean, like on a man's face, you can um, get away from a lot of lines, like on the uh, yep. and you know, yep. to to show expression, and you got to find a balance with showing that emotion when you join a female. But if you put too many lines, they sort of start coming across as masculine or little bit monstrous, you know. Mm -hmm. I always try to keep the lines at a minimum when I'm drawing a female. And, and, and jokes aside, I think that's demonstrated in your April Through the Ages piece because you, you've, you've shown the different styles without showing it's a character aging. Yeah. But the, but the character gives more depth as you go through some of those images you've got there. Uh, th thanks, uh, Camilla. Jamie, uh, any tips 
from uh, for when you're drawing female characters? Uh, yeah, so I think what Pitchy was saying, it's a fine line. You've got to do feminine, you know, but sexy, but not hypersexualized. Um, so <laughs> the one borderline one I did was a, uh, it looked almost vampirella-ish, but it was um, Princess Sin. And because she had quite a low neckline and, you know, it was quite, um, quite busty. And I, I didn't feel too comfortable doing that, to be honest with you. Uh, so it was kind of the first and last time I, I kind of attempted that. But um, yeah, for me, it's, I also teach young girls. So I don't like to do kind of overly, um, you know, objectified <laughs> versions of women. Um, I think the line weight just has to be a little bit finer and just a little bit more delicate when you're drawing females so they don't look too masculine. How do you think, uh, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question with no notice, but you mentioned that you, in your drawing classes that you've got um, young, uh, young creators that are uh, developing their writing style and they're developing how they see the world at the same time. Mm. Um, how do you find that um, the way we are discussing how people are perceived visually, like the image of people, particularly when you're depicting someone with uh, a pen and ink or a pencil or a paint or whatever you're doing, whatever medium you're working in, how do you feel that that is um, being interpreted by the your students, by the young Australians? Um, so can you clarify? What do you mean? What do so, you mean? so there's a lot of um, uh, dis- discussions in school, um, in, uh, in social, um, on social media sites, in the in the general media, in the in the. But is it about identity roles or in the public narrative about how people are de- how women and men or genders are depicted visually? Is that your students are developing how they see the world and they're developing their own opinions about themselves, how they see other people, how they see the world? Yeah. How do you see that coming across in their artwork? Is it a, is it a consideration? Does it change from when you were learning to draw yourself? Um, not so much. Like we're kind of learning in a bubble a little bit, so it's it's always important. I've I've had students that are, I guess, the, the broader um, conversation about identity and, and how they identify and things like that. And if we do things like short stories and stuff, I always try and get them to do things that are personal to them that kind of, you know, uh, portray their place in the world. But to be honest with you, it's, it's not really something that takes into consideration. Uh, when you t- I'm teaching a very basic skill. Um, so if I'm drawing you know, males or females, it'll be just kind of atypical um, differences, like the soften, you know, soften the jaw and, you know, for a male, make it a little bit more square and things like that. But not really, to be honest with you, <laughs> if that's, if that's a, a, an answer. Sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing that you're getting to do that work uh, and influencing another generation of creators. Um, what's been the most rewarding part of, uh, of watching young minds uh, sculpt uh, young creativity? Um, Just seeing their confidence. So a lot of kids that age will be kind of, you know, the whole idea is um, I tell them it's like decorating a cake, you know, I'll give them the ingredients, but everyone decorates it differently. So you can't compare yourself to the next person. So if we were all comparing ourselves to Daniel Picciotto, we'd just quit. You know what I mean? We, you know, we, we just do our own thing and we stay in our lane and we do it the best we can. And it's just good to see them build the confidence. Um, I've got a, a kid 
uh, who's working on a school project, and it's. I think what Jamie's saying is he wants to win the next uh, sketch off battle. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's working on a, a, a piece that uh, is a character in it, and basically he has ADHD, and it's kind of how to portray that to the world, people who might not be privy to that and I guess creating a bit of empathy for his situation so it's kind of visually representing his struggle and by actually using creativity and using like almost like venom it's like this alter ego kind of thing and yeah so it's kind of cool to see them kind of work through their own stuff through the creative medium as well so yeah amazing well good on you for uh making yourself available doing that um and uh so Tom Tom has to leave the chat because he's uh, he's spoiling Bond uh, by uh, pointing out to everyone that Bond only had a three minute mouse cylinder, so couldn't possibly have done that massive twenty five minute fight at the end of Thunderball. Um, uh, but you 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 are correct, Tom. Um, and uh, and Sean Connery's hair somehow is always perfect, despite the fact that he's just taken a, a wetsuit and a mask off. Um, uh, Tom's also asked, does the successful participant get the rights to the image? Uh, I this don't know is what, a, you, what you need the rights for. <laughs> so so uh, my understanding is, and I will let the artist, I'll leave some open air for the artist to correct me because you're all more familiar with uh, how IP affects your work. If you do an original piece, uh, as a commission or as a one-off like this piece here. Um, it's not subject to um, some of the release requirements around IP and some of those controls. But if you make a print from the piece or uh, try to use it for a box cover, tie, wallet, um, commemorative placemat, it, that's when it starts to become some uh, legally grey area where you're starting to get some cease and desist letters. Is that right? So... Uh, my understanding is, and again, the artist can correct me uh, if I've gone way off, uh, you are getting an original piece of art that um, probably should be on a cover, uh, but the decision of where that ends up uh, is in the hands of the people who have the licence to do so. So unless Renee White is changed his name and secretly in this group, uh, the answer to your question there, Tom, is probably no. But you do have bragging rights, which is much more important, particularly to the people that are in this group uh, who are all eagerly watching these three pieces come to life and visualising in their skull caves as they sit in them where it is going to go. I have a space just up here. If anyone runs out of room, you all know how to get in touch with me. Um, Callum Markham has joined the group and has said, G'day, all internet and mobile coverage has been... Super limited, I'm going to say, Callum, uh, all day at home. Uh, I'm pretty sure Callum's coming to us from Western Australia, and I think you might have been in the same room as some of the people in this chat I've seen on social media recently, maybe yesterday. Um, welcome, Callum. Uh, you're welcome to go back through the chat and have a look at some of the questions that have been asked. Uh, there will, we haven't drawn anything yet. You didn't miss anything. Uh, Jamie's put his pants back on, uh, but you can see all the stuff that you missed in the replay that uh, will go out on the Chronicle Chamber socials. Tom, can I put it on my T-shirt? Hmm. 
this is a question that I'm not going to provide the. I think it's fair go. I think I it's think, fair go policy. I, if you have, if you own an image, as long as you're not selling it, it should be fine. But if you're reproducing it for commercial use, is where you'll get the 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 lawyer run around. I think I've never had knock on water. I haven't had any uh, trouble with that. But I think if you, yeah, if you kind of take the Mickey with it, that's where you kind of fall into trouble there. Jamie's answer to Tom's question is not a legal opinion. It is subscribed to by chronicletrainer.com and expand the fan podcast. Um, so, Welcome by Dunga Monroe. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, I have seen people uh, do what you're suggesting. And so if you are fortunate enough to get this, uh, I don't see there being any problem uh, uh, with you uh, proudly displaying it on your T-shirt. Um, and that is an excellent literal demonstration of bragging rights. Um, what is can i put on my t-shirt daniel to everybody framed framed it's going up on the wall if daniel it sounds like if uh, any of these pieces end up in daniel's collection he's already made the appointment with the framer to put it in and that's why he was getting confirmation at the start how big the images were and if anyone's missed that at the start all 11 by 17 so um cover quality cover size original art getting created before your eyes for the cost of entry and for the warm feeling in the cockles of your heart that you're helping kids in need all around the world. Uh, Tom, to everyone, what is the recommendation so far as framing is concerned? Um, do you going to frame, you could frame your original art and your T-shirt. What, um, I wouldn't intend that anyway. So don't, oh, you don't want to, I think he's answering there saying that he, he's not going to go and produce a thousand posters. Um, uh what is the recommendation as far as framing concerned? There are plenty of opinions in this group and I'll let the chat get populated with some guidance to Tom on uh, framing. I think from looking at the names here that I recognise there are a significant amount of people with extensive experience in getting things framed and I think Bradley Peach might be in here somewhere uh, who's probably the best, the most expert. Um... um And uh, personally, I've uh, the, the difficulty I've found is uh, curating what gets framed because uh, there's so much amazing work, as we've seen from the artists that are producing tonight. Back in one sec. That they're just getting um, your sport for choice. But uh, you're either looking for um, a, a framer that you know through a recommendation or trust um, to get something done. If it's a piece that you want to preserve uh, where you're putting it up, keeping it out of direct sunlight. Uh, UV rated glass uh, is always preferred. And if you can have the glass not touching the art through a spacer um, and uh, the, the, you get what you pay for in terms of framing. So there are uh, discounted and cheaper uh, people that will do bespoke framing. And there's also quite a large market in multiple different sizes for standard sizes like 11 by 17. Uh, that you can get from frames for places like Kmart and some of the other retail stores, but you are you're, you're limited on your matting options with that, and it really makes a difference if you get something framed properly. So, Tom, uh, that's my opinion, and uh, hopefully some guy, some of the team in the group will give you some better guidance. Um, uh, Trevor has put for the focus a Daniel stripes too thin. Daniel, just double tap on your uh, 
piece of paper and see if you can change it. So, uh, <clears throat> I'll be interested to see how the chat goes uh, with providing a response to uh, Trevor's challenge uh, and Daniel's response to Trevor when he sees him in person. So we're getting a good close up there to have a look at those stripes, which are, I'm pretty sure are going the right way. Uh, and we're getting a really good close look up, not just of the um, uh, where the generation, where future generations of the fandom come from, but uh, also some of that detailed cross hatching and and really fine detail that uh, Daniel puts into muscle tone. And that's what I'm talking about. It's a more detailed to me version of that swimmer physique. Ray Moore, live cat-like phantom. Uh, and and it's, it's coming out in that piece that you're putting together there. Uh, let me know, guys. And some... I'll, let some... I'll let some black to them. I think it's good. I think uh, if, if Trevor is is measuring the, um, the width of the stripes on the phantom trunks, we're really down to brass tacks. So uh, with or without... Uh, with or without class to, from Tom for framing, uh, it's up to you. It's personal choice. The artists know more about preserving their work than me, uh, um, but something that's well framed behind appropriate UV glass uh, is going to last for uh, quite a long time. And where you have it open to the air and depending on the environment you're keeping it in the house, whether you're up in Queensland with some of our banana bender people that are joining us tonight, uh, humidity is also going to play a factor as well. Uh, and Trevor's saying, correction, Camillo, only joking. I don't know what that was in relation to. Uh, I, <laughs> Trevor has, uh, oh, sorry, I've, I've skipped a bit of the chat. So, um, there's a sexy with a knife. So this Tom is uh, is going back on to the conversations earlier about drawing with females, um, sexy with a knife, which is what uh, I think Pitchy put in the background of um, his image there when he replaced the cigarette with the knife. Um, and he also likes the shading of the diver. Uh, and Jamie's putting a bit of, is that airbrushing on there, Jamie? Epic airbrushing. Wow. And that's really bringing up that shark in the background. And then it'll, um, I'll use some white to make him pop. That's amazing. Like the, these, um, from, from where we started, these are really uh, coming together nicely and coming to life. Um, no one else is giving uh, Thompson guidance on framing. Uh, and that's what uh, Trevor Clark said, correction, Camilo only joking. And Terry has asked everybody, here's, some advice for Tom and everyone about frame. See your local framer for advice. Non-reflective glass and museum quality acid-free paper. Um, I would second uh, Terry's opinion. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, Alex to everybody. Still jealous of your Alex Ross original fan of Peace uh, Thank you, Trip. And Daniel to everyone. <laughs> Loving the commentary, Duncan. Uh, the check is in the mail. Uh, and Tom to everyone far north. Where do we? What's he responding to there? Oh, that's oh. So you're afraid you are stuck in the humid area. Humidity does play a factor in uh, preserving your collection. Uh, you need to get some advice from uh, fellow collectors, or you can look on some of the um, 
archiving discussions online uh, and a few of the Facebook groups like Original Comic Art Collectors. Uh, if you go back through some of their pin conversations, there's lots of detailed chats from collectors all around the world in all kinds of climates uh, and how they address some of those challenges of extremes of humidity and extremes of heat and cold with preserving uh, original art. Um, but good on you. You're in, uh, you're in Phantom Country up there in far north Queensland, Tom. For the international guests that are there, it is uh, uh, getting very close uh, to uh, Tropic of Capricorn um, and uh, it's, it's either hot or hot and wet up there. Uh, Bradley is saying Jamie's, art, Jamie's artwork is beyond wow. Jamie, wow, wow is here. And somewhere all the way over this way, according to Bradley, is your artwork. <laughs> Thanks, mate. I would I would build on the back of that and say, I'm standing at WOW and I can't even see your artwork from here. <laughs> uh, Daniel, to everyone, do any of the artists or creators uh, have anything in the pipeline for free? What a loaded question. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, I think um, Camilo has indicated that uh, he hasn't, uh, but if Fru were listening, we, everyone wants to see that. Um, it, Pitchy, you, well, Daniel, while I'm on that, uh, off the back of uh, Daniel's question, and we'll come back to the other artists for it, you've got quite a, uh, a broad scope in your styles from all the work that I've seen from you, looking through your sketchbook, looking through the different commissions you've done for me and for others that I've seen, your prints, your, um, your variant covers, the work you did for Nickelodeon that we talked about earlier, and you've done quite a good, um, you've done quite a few different characters in it, like a chibi style. Is that the right yeah. description of doing that? Yeah. Can you see a phantom in that chibi style that in your pen and in your mind that you could come up with? Yeah, of course, man. Jamie's already done it. Jamie done a chibi phantom, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. I, I thought that was a homage. Actually, Terry, Terry Cray owns it. Owns it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought it was Jamie's homage to... Uh, Camilla Di Pietro Antonio. No, so Camilla's the king of them, though. And you and you've got uh, you've got some little pins that uh, they come up really well as metal shaped pins that are just a good size for collecting, displaying really well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going into into uh, licensing territory, but I'm just saying as a fan, I'd love to see a chibi style phantom from you in that pin. Um, is there some? Is there a product that you'd like to see your phantom artwork on? I always thought. Phantom would make a good pin, a good series of pins. Yeah. You know, I think um, I think a lot of collectors like enamel pins. You know, you can put them many places. Yeah. yeah. And a Phantom pin, yeah. I'm just going to plant that little thought seed in your head, and and hope that uh, that Fru are paying attention, listening when they're looking for ideas for what to put with the next annual. Just saying, Phantom through the ages, metal pins designed by Camillo. I'm not going to claim credit for that. I'm just going to say that, that idea just floated in the ether out of the the uh, the sketch session from Chronicle Chamber. Uh, but I'm going to go to the uh, other two artists, Jamie. Anything in the pipeline that we've seen a recent cover from you uh, that's just showing up in everyone's uh, mailboxes in the signature series was signed by you, uh, available from through limited to $100 for every issue. Uh, sorry, 100 per issue signed by the uh, cover artist. Is there something uh, in the pipeline from you from for Fru or from any oh, of man, the other? I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Again, talking directly to uh, 
uh, Glenn uh, Dudley and uh, Rene. Um, his hand is better. He uh, he is travelling around the country to every convention known to man. He can drop past uh, Sydney and drop off some original cover artwork. Um, what? But what on that? You've you've appeared on uh, bookmarks, trading cards, uh, prints, the coloring board, books. Ga board game, coloring book, Chronicle Chambers bushfire book, uh, Phantom covers for three different publishers. Mm -hmm. What would you like to see your fan? What product would you like to see your Phantom artwork on? Um, I've always loved. I would have loved to design like a statue or something. Um, just the, the idea of doing your own because you draw the character enough and you kind of get to an approximation of what he might look like in real life but i'd love to do like a realistic um sort of similar to i guess glenn did it with the bust but um i'd love to do my own version of that so sort of in the in the vein of like prime one like those kinds of statues um yeah so if if mr sideshow collectibles or mr no mr icon collectibles Mm. Uh, he's watching this, uh, sitting sitting in the office there with Dudley and uh, Rhett and Glenn. Um, I don't know. Is there any chance that an image of this uh, phantom diving under the water with his knife and his spear going out with a shark behind him could find its way to being uh, sculpted into a statue that could <laughs> grace the shelves of many of the, the skull caves that are here in the background here? Someone's saying Bradley is being very... Um, reserved in saying yes in capital letters in the chat <laughs> to the statue he wants the statue so uh the fans actually, have spoken actually speaking of bradley i'd love to do um him on the skull throne as well that would be a that would be a dream come true it's it's bradley kelly i think you're talking oh, about bradley, bradley, kelly, saying bradley peach my bad bradley bradley peach who has his own uh skull throne in his house uh i Alex is, is giving us a bit of an answer to this question that he is doing a print for Fru at the moment, but I'm not sure if I can share that. Whoops. I need to read the whole message before I start reading out stuff in the chat. Uh, Tom is telling us that he's above the Tropic of Capricorn for those uh, following along on their uh, Funk and Wagnalls at home, uh, where the movie was shot. Tom is becoming a, the most interesting person in the chat. Um, uh, I'm sure. Um, now I'm curious to check out Tom's socials to see if there's uh, action shots of him on location uh, with Billy Zane and Christy Swanson. Uh, but I've, got, I'm, I've digressed from, do, from Daniel's question. Do anyone... Oh, and I've left you for last. Daniel, I'm putting... Uh, Pitchy, I'm putting you on the spot from a question from Daniel. Anything in the pipeline for Fru that you can share? I, th I think you can answer that better than me. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a few things. I think um, I think you actually mentioned it at the start. We're working together on a story. We just finished up that annual where we had the 11-page story, but we've yep. got uh, eight new stories coming out, which is huge. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to it, I promise, Duncan. And, uh, and actually, I've got um, a print, as Alex said as well, um, coming up in a folio. Um, I should have that done by Saturday. And I think, don't quote me, but I think the next cover coming out is mine. So now everyone is... Two weeks' time? Yeah. And, and if you play this back, uh, if it comes out before that issue is released, there has been a hint of uh, what the inspiration was for that cover that Pitchy's got uh, 
pending. So not only, Daniel, is it in the pipeline, it's almost ready to shoot out of the top of the pipeline. Uh, Did, uh, does in, anybody want a sneak peek? I don't want to get you in trouble, but if if it just happens to be in the background while we're doing a live sketch session. Oh, everyone is now pinning and screenshotting Pitchy's uh, second camera, which has got his artwork there with an awesome double page wraparound cover of that's the Phantom sick, dude. well ensconced in a uh, alt- yeah, altercation with somebody on a sailing ship that is not having a good day. That is a great action shot. Not the final image. you think to draw Johnny Depp? <laughs> <laughs> Why is the wrong in the background? Or Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, uh, I'm going to go with a dad joke here and say that obviously the uh, Phantom is upset that the, that he's being charged $7.50 for a banana cream pie and he's unhappy with the pie rates of the Caribbean. So, um, pie rates? <laughs> Daniel, did your character cop one in the nose from a bad guy? <laughs> Which one is that? Tom to everyone. So, Pitchy, did your character cop one in the nose from a bad guy? Is that it, Daniel? I'm going back a few minutes there with the chat. Is that in relation to the phantom image there? Because is that the cross hatching on the nose, which is a signature uh, pitchy edition? Go going close on the the face details there, pitchy. Oh, you've captured really well there the uh, well known broken nose of the 21st Phantom. <laughs> Did your character cop one in the nose from a bad guy? I think that's what the question is. It must be the camera because it doesn't look broken to me. And uh, so I'm saying the answer is probably no. And because who could possibly lay their hands on the Phantom except for everyone who sneaks up behind him and hits him in the back of the head and knocks him unconscious, much to the chagrin of Dan and Steve. Uh, For those that listen to X-Band, the Phantom podcast regularly. Chronicle Chamber to everyone, amazing. So that looks like these are responses and a bit of love for Pitchy's sneak preview of the cover that we absolutely did not see. And despite the fact that this is going out on YouTube, we, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Trevor said too quick because he's clearly trying to get a screenshot. And um, and Trip has said beautiful, uh, which is high praise from him. He's now thrown out the piece that he was working on for free and started completely from scratch, like uh, one of the impressionist masters throwing out their paintbrushes after seeing da vinci uh do a piece looks um tom says looks like it's been broken i'm gonna say that uh it's it's canon because there are i think it was um uh that did the, the fan with a bit of broken nose a few times um i'll get corrected by jermaine in a moment so i'll be sure to delete that <laughs> Swaroop has said that sneak peek of a cover Daniel showed on screen looks amazing. Uh, I 100% agree with you, Swaroop. Uh, you you have a um, the exclusive on the subcontinent for seeing that image. Uh, Thanks, guys. Daniel, Daniel has said sold, um, who's probably misunderstood the, uh, the concept of a draw. Uh, but... Um, but absolutely, uh, everyone will be agreeing with uh, Daniel's endorsement of your piece there. And Chronicle Chamber has said, Daniel has just received 20-odd DMs asking for the price on the original. 
<laughs> I think that's underrated because uh, while there's a limited amount Make of tickets to show, <laughs> everyone has already shared it on their socials and all the collectors who have missed out on an opportunity to be here tonight are also trying to get that piece. Um, Bradley is saying, I did not say nothing, nothing. I hope I got the accent right for you there, Bradley. Uh, all sneak peeks shown here today will be for your eyes only, we promise. Thank you, Swaroop, and excellent reference to Bond from earlier with Jamie. Uh, and would be proud to have any of these, says Tom, not dropping any hints at all about when are you going to get to the draw, guys? Stop Duncan talking. Uh, some uh, more love in the chat. Uh, loving the work. Yes. Amazing. Beautiful. Fantastic with a PH. Uh, very cool from Chris Hill. Uh, everyone's really wrapped with the sneak peek and so we're wanting to see more and more. And we're all saying the same thing, uh, both in terms of seeing that in our uh, letterboxes soon or on the newsstands uh, and seeing more work from Pitchy. Especially me. So um, there, there is some co a collaboration Pitchy and I are working on after the Shameful Trade story that came out at the start of the year. Uh, it's uh, different from any of the other stories uh, that have come out from me uh, and a different phantom from the one that Pitchy put in our Eastern Dark story, so a different generation of the phantom, uh, in a... Um, in a not unfamiliar setting, uh, but um, from what I have seen, and I've had the benefit of seeing Pitchy's uh, work in progress as he's gone through, and it is it is an honour to be able to see that he's, he's bringing to life my words, that we're able to collaborate on creating something, and that uh, that I get to see it grow from a blank page or a blank syntax screen. Uh, into uh, so the live art that ends up at Fru and shows up in your uh, in your hot little hands. So hopefully um, that comes uh, that comes out uh, as soon as it's ready to be released and you get to enjoy Pitchy's work live, which may or may not be getting a sneak preview of in front of us there. Um, and um, Pitchy's style really suits. Uh, the story uh, for the, the amount of work that we've that he's put into it so far, uh, it, that is really coming along uh, better than I could have possibly hoped when I wrote that uh, script. Um, Thanks, Duncan. Uh, Tom is saying we'd be proud to have any of these in our stuff. Bradley is uh, paying me a compliment, uh, which I think I only paid for five when I sent those funds to him via PayPal earlier. Uh, Duncan, you're doing a wonderful job tonight. Thank you, Chris. You're very kind to me. You're always very nice. He knows the LFMBEC dinner is coming up. He knows I don't drink uh, and wants me to go to the bar and make sure that his glass is always fully stocked. Um, and uh, some more love in the chat. Well done. There's some clapping. There's some likes. Uh, Jamie has got the, the ruler out because he's getting the spear gun right. Camillo's filling in the work on the background with that peace sign. And Pitchy is really selling the, the, uh, the angle that we've taken on there with the perspective. Uh, 
I've got a moon here, but you can't see it. And I realize I probably don't have a, a template big enough, so I'm going to have to do that off camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the I'm going to ask a... Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back over some things that you talked about in terms of your process because there's a few people asking about those questions. I'm getting some private questions in the chat about that as well. And Pitchy, I'll ask you first. Uh, you've talked about your combination process of uh, digital layouts first and then working towards traditional inks. What freedom does it give you in both those formats? I know the double tap lets you undo something and play with the composition. What does, what does bringing it to life with inks give you in terms of create, creative freedom? Yeah, good question. I think I'm just old-fashioned in a sense where I just want to create something with my hands and, and really uh, I enjoy the feeling of that pen hitting the paper. And then I buy um, the Strathmore bristle boards with a bit of tooth on it so that when I'm inking, I actually feel like uh, the nib go through um, and it gives me some tooth. Um, yeah, and I just I prefer doing that as opposed to as much as the iPad is fun to draw with, I um I find it's kind of slippery. So doing inks uh, digitally is not really something that I I enjoy doing. Um, but it does give me the benefit of you know jumping on a train um, and then doing some sketches there, right? So it doesn't really matter where I am, I can pull out the scanner, the iPad, and and start working from your scripts. <laughs> and and that's amazing that 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 you're that you're able to transition that quickly. Like I'm spending my time on public transport trying to dodge people coughing, and uh, and you're able to create these uh, pieces of art like the one behind you and the one in front of you. Um, Jamie, I'm going to come to you about this, but um, uh, but first I wanted to um, to talk to you about. I may get this wrong, but you did some work with. Uh, Samurai Dino, Dino Warriors that was affiliated with a Jim Stalin project, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a bit about how that came about and what the story was behind it? Um, so I got uh, hit up, I think similar to how Camilla did. I think Camilla did some of the design work for the actual characters, but um, the Dimitri Vegas uh, teamed up with Michael Uslan, who was the producer of all the live-action Batman movies. And uh, basically creating like an homage to uh, like Ninja Turtles and, and uh, just a lot of things that are in the uh, pop culture zeitgeist. Uh, so he wanted me to kind of create or do an homage. Uh, they're, they're basically five dinosaurs, four guys and one girl, which is currently what the Ninja Turtles are. <clears throat> and he wanted me to pay homage to my TMNT 100 cover. Um, but that was actually, and to be honest, a little bit of a uh, tricky area because it was actually turned into an NFT, uh, which wasn't actually discussed. But um, yeah, that one went kind of crazy. Uh, I think it ended up, once you convert it, I think it was like 84,000 US dollars. Uh, wow. That piece got, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. For the cheap cheats, for the cheap seats, just say that figure again. What's that? Uh, so it was at the time was 16 point something ETH, which is like a, in cryptocurrency at the time it's different now. It's obviously the, it's like a stock market. Um, it, uh, yeah, it was like 84,000 US dollars. Um, it went for, which is kind of crazy. I didn't get that mind you. It was, 
<laughs> what the creator got, what the um, the guy who commissioned me got. But uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy <laughs> seeing that, and, those kind of figures. And and I'm sure uh, everyone in the group's familiar NFT, non fungible tokens. So it's digital art, but it, it creates a, a using blockchain technology similar to what the, the Bitcoin currency, cryptocurrencies use. It makes it so that there's only one. It's a unique item that you get control over by uh, by purchasing it. Um, I think Cybari was uh, going to be doing some some NFTs. If I'm yes, not yeah. So um, that's currently in development with a, a company based in the US. Uh, and so the people in the audience here are uh, are likely looking forward to seeing what composition that comes out with. Um, the people behind it have been interviewing. Uh, creators and fans that have either been inspired by Sai's work or are fans of his work. Um, and one of the questions that they're asking is, what would you like to see in a, in a composition for a one-of-a-kind digital piece from uh, Sai Barry? And it's going to be the first time he's uh, obviously working in that format, the first time a phantom piece has been available in NFT format, uh, and the first time... Uh, and. Uh, I think that the first time size uh, done that work, and it's it, it is another generation of uh, of artists that um, that Sai comes from, as one of the oldest living Batman artists, uh, and uh, he also worked on the Phantom. And I'm pretty sure uh, for those playing along at home, uh, designed or helped co-create Crypto uh, Superman style. Um, uh, so. Jamie, what the, the NF your experience with NFT, even as in it as inadvertent as it might have been from uh, what you're telling us there, is it something that you would do again? Someone else comes to approach you and says, "Here's all my Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, it's like money. Uh, will you draw me a picture that no one else can have?" Yeah, I don't see why not. Camillo is pretty experienced with that. I don't know if we can talk about them, but if he, it might be good to throw to him. Um, I think oh. you just did some recently. I'm the host. You draw pictures, Art Boy. Camillo. <laughs> Dan, rummy. On an unrelated note, Camillo. <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> um, uh, what, uh, what's been your experience that you're able to share with us in terms of um, exploring the NFT world? So I've, I've, I've worked on one project that I can't talk about yet. But, <laughs> Sorry, um, dude. <laughs> but um, I also I was involved in Dimitri Vegas's um, Samurai Dinosaurs project as well uh, a bit earlier on than, than Jamie um, I was involved in like, the designing of the characters Wow! Uh, I've done a few um, character designs and then uh, I think it got passed on to a few other artists so I had my version and like my versions weren't completely the ones in the, in the final versions but there was a lot of elements that were and then I also did a um, uh, it was meant to be, I think it was meant to be a variant cover because I think the project at first was going to be a, um, an actual physical comic book. So I had done a variant cover and then it became an um, a NFT trading card. And um, I don't know how many he sold or how much it made. I'm pretty sure it made a lot of money. But yeah, like Jamie, I wasn't, we weren't really told about that part of the project. Like we were told it was going to be a comic book. So, um, so we weren't really... You know, we didn't know much about the NFT side of things apart from apart from what came out later. 
And, and for for the layperson uh, watching you create and 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 trying to understand what this evolution of NFT looks like to to the art world and original art and collecting, is any part of your process in that NFT traditional inks, pen and paper, pencil layouts, blue line? Yeah, well, like I've done all the artwork. I've done it like traditionally, so I've got all the original sketches and, and the original cover I did and stuff. It's all I got the whole, all the paper, all the inks and stuff. I just scanned it and gave him a JPEG. So what, you know, the JPEG is what the is what the NFT is attached to. So not the actual original physical art. Mm-hmm. So. And so what happens with the original art? Does it have to go with it? Is it destroyed? Uh, is it in a uh, vault? Oh, it's mine. I right. if I wanted to, you know, but yeah, it's mine. So. And would you do it again? Someone comes up to you with a bunch of imaginary money, I mean, cryptocurrency and says, draw me a picture. Um, you know, based on that experience that I had, I'd be a bit, a bit cautious, you know, um, because I wasn't told, you know, and obviously like, he doesn't, he doesn't have to tell me because the NFT world is such a, like a new space. It's not as if like, it's not as if buying the, like buying my artwork and then putting it on a t-shirt or putting it on a box. And it's like, I expect that mm-hmm. the NFT world. It's like, you're making thousands upon thousands from a digital file. And like, if I had known, I probably would charge a lot more you know? <laughs> well, I like, amongst, amongst artists. There's like who work in the NFT space as an NFT tax. You know, because then he gets, they'll make money on every sale that happens. So if you own an NFT, you can resell it. And every time it's resold, you get, you know, residual money from it. So I would have maybe asked for some sort of, you know, royalty every time it gets resold or whatever. I don't know. You know, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't do it again unless those terms were specifically outlined at the beginning. And um, and that, that's great insight and, and a really um, easy to understand easy to comprehend way of explaining uh, how NFT works. Um, I'm just going to the chat because people are, this is uh, a, a divisive issue by the look of the chat uh, with Trevor saying NFTs, non-fungible tokens are second only to slabbing. To what? To slabbing. So oh, right. uh, obviously Trevor's a fan of uh, putting comic books in plastic so he can't read them. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I see the tongue very firmly planted in his cheek in the font that he's used in his comment there. Uh, not a fan of slabbing, not a fan of NFT. Trevor, the traditionalist, wants to be able to hold the thing in his hand um, and then tell me he won't sell it to me. Uh, I, Brett, I agree with Bradley Kelly is saying, I agree with Daniel. I love to draw on pen and paper on pen with paper um and there was more nft chat in here <laughs> and uh jermaine has been cruel and said to trevor is that because you don't understand it well i'm sure that that's that comment's a little old in the chat now and i'm sure now that um we've had an excellent explanation from the experience camillo about nfts that's no longer the case and trevor's now educated so next time we do one of these uh, studio sessions, gang, remind me that we need to not only mute Jermaine, we also need to turn off his keyboard. Uh, and then Chris Hill said, very funny, Trev. I don't know what he's talking about, but now, now I know, but I know what a slab looks like. <laughs> and for the international listeners, a slab is the name for 24 cans of beer all packaged together uh, so that it fits under your arm. 
uh, after you finish work to carry home uh, or if you where I grew up that your kids can uh, carry home from the shopping uh, I those were the days I uh, Trevor is saying I personally think the NFT is a, is as risky as Bitcoin and that is a good comparison because it is the same technology and it's reliant on that same uh, um, consent the the same mutual consent that we're saying that a thing that doesn't really exist has value. Uh, but that's how uh, cash money works as well. Remember cash money before COVID? Uh, hello to Jeff from the US. Chris Hill is saying hello to Jeff from the US. Uh, and Duncan. And we, yes, yes, mate. I actually got a, a good example of like where NFT like technology would be, um, you know, handy. And maybe it will make like some people understand it a bit better. Sure. Let's just say like, an artist doesn't do traditional work like we do. Like you were talking before about how Trip works mostly digitally. So maybe, I'm not sure, but maybe Trip hasn't got original cover art, like physical cover art to sell. So what he could do is he could turn his digital file into an NFT and someone could buy that and you could know that that digital file is actually Trip's work and it's come directly from him as opposed to screenshotting it or saving it you know, from, from social media. And that way a collector could start collecting art from artists who are, who solely work on a digital, you know, digital way. That's, that's how you should, that's how, I mean, that's, that's who it would probably benefit most, you know, mm -hmm. well, solely digital artists. Um, thank you for explaining that. Trip is madly taking notes. Uh, and um, that's a, that's a good, uh, explanation from an artist's perspective of, of the value for NFTs for the creators. Uh, and it, it goes some way to explaining it to collectors who are, who are a bit um, hesitant uh, around the NFTs, a bit unsure. Uh, and a lot of the conversation that I'm seeing online around NFTs, um, it falls on both those sides. So um, like Trevor, I, I, you know, I'm seeing the risk and then the artist side of but this is the way I work. And, and, and to me, it is a way to give you the original, just like you do when you're asking for those uh, pen and inks, like everyone is eagerly awaiting tonight. Uh, looking at the pieces that uh, the progress you're making on the pieces there, I think we're probably close to uh, finalizing uh, the stream part. So we'll probably move towards the draw unless uh, any of you artists want to object because it's, you're going to unfold the A3 and show us that it's actually a double page spread for a wraparound cover and we're going to hear for another two hours. Um, so if we start putting the finishing touches on there, acknowledging that uh, Daniel's uh, said that he wants to put a moon in the background there, which is really going to add depth to that piece of looking up at that powerful phantom. Uh, Jeffrey Frandeka from the, from the US. Hello, hello. Sorry I'm late. Even though Jermaine posted the time converter, it didn't account for user error. Welcome. We'll, we'll stretch out a little bit now to justify you being for more than four <laughs> minutes after you've invested those funds, Jeff, and bothered to uh, ensure that you joined us at what is probably an ungodly hour from your part of uh, the US. Um, Tom, to everyone on NFTs, you need a lawyer and a license agreement, which is sound advice from Tom, which is returning to the group after uh, we gave him some advice about frames in the humid tropical North Queensland. Trevor is saying, yes, I'm all on board now because Camillo has taken the time to explain that. Um, who knew you came for some pictures and you're getting an education about uh, uh, digital currency and uh, crypto artwork. And Bradley is saying the same, need the physical property in my hands. 
And Alex, who is the digital person that we're talking about, digital NFTs can have real life tangible assets like exclusive prints, et cetera. Yeah, I've seen this online where uh, someone will do a digital piece, but uh, release a limited number, just like a, they'll do an original piece of art and reduce release numbered prints. And they'll release numbered uh, printouts of the digital art. Uh, um, that question we posed that question to the people doing the Cy Barry piece uh, for the Phantom uh, fans eagerly awaiting what that's going to look like. The work hasn't been completed yet uh, and it's still a way off. There's sizzle reels on the company's website, but they're about the process and that they've got Cy assigned to the project. Uh, nothing leaking out yet about what that image will look like or what's going to be contained in it. Uh, and Trip following up on the digital NFTs um, as a digital as an artist that works a lot in digital. Uh, also, a lot of my covers are original. Hint, hint. Check out Supernova uh, and uh, Trip's social medias if you're interested in any of the original art for his covers. Uh, they are popular and do get a lot of attention very quickly from talking to him. Uh, so make sure you stay primed for that. Um, I'll just leave it, I'll give a bit of a uh, last drinks, gentlemen, for questions in the chat uh, before we start to turn towards um, doing the uh, drawers. But um, I just wanted to quickly touch on with Jamie, uh, you had the opportunity um, uh, in the past to work with um, uh You've, you've listed Marvel Image and DC legend Jim Lee as uh, one of your uh, key influences and inspirations. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what was it like having the opportunity to have Jim ink your pencils? Uh, when he inks it, I'll tell you. Um, so basically on his Twitch stream, he gives away these uh, things on different tiers, like if you subscribe and whatnot. Um, I didn't actually win that, but uh, one of the followers that does... Um, subscribe ended up winning it and he actually gifted it to me so uh jim will be inking one of my pieces sometime this year on his live stream um and yeah it's it's both um exciting and also like i'm psyching myself out every time i <clears throat> excuse me start a piece uh you know i, I psych myself out and i start it again because you only get one shot at jim lee inking your pencils so um, I've had Alex Sinclair color my stuff before and I've had Scott Williams ink my stuff, but I haven't had Jim Lee ink it. So very much looking forward to that. Literal kid in a candy store. Can't, yeah. What a great, what a great problem to have. And yeah. uh, couldn't be happier for you. Uh, like you really deserve uh, to add that to your own personal collection. Thanks, man. Um, I'm going to ask one last question, just giving the, ch the chat a chance to uh before we wrap up and give the chat a chance to ask any last minute questions they want to. Uh, we've recently lost some greats in the, the comic art world with um, uh, George Perez passing away recently and just before him, uh, the great Neil Adams. Uh, he's professed in the past that uh, he made a, Neil Adams professed that he made a conscious decision when he created his iconic covers, which he was well renowned for for decades. He either chose an iconic image or a storytelling image, which brings us back to an earlier uh, question from the chat. So, uh, so he, he, he talks about either having a hero shot, which is something that's going to stand out, Superman's American flag behind him and an eagle on his wrist, nothing to do with the story that's going to, that's going to sell that comic because the kid walks in and goes, now that's Superman. Uh, or a storytelling image. So he, um, 
uh, something telling that's teasing the story within. When is that? Is that a is that a key decision for you? I'm going to go. I'm going to ask each of you that question. You've, you've <coughs> talked about what inspires you and and how you you are uninspired by the work within. Um, do you have a preference for hero image versus storytelling image, or is that not a, a black and white um, question? Jamie. Sorry, mate. I've just lost camera here. Um, I actually missed most of that question. I apologize. So, so you're deciding on a composition, starting from scratch in yeah. terms of composition. Yeah. It, is it a binary choice of hero image versus storytelling image, or are you trying to combine both of those things? Uh, both. So I'll usually, uh, in the storytelling, I'll try and incorporate if, for instance, it's the Phantom. We're trying to sell the Phantom. So it'll usually be some sort of hero shot. Um, and then you try and incorporate some of the storytelling in the other aspects. That's what's good about the wraparound covers because you can kind of incorporate a bit of information in a flow that doesn't necessarily have to be sequential, but it kind of tells or hints at the story. Um, but I think the hero shot's quite important. I think thinking cinematically uh, like a poster is, is kind of the best way to go, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Are you doing something sneaky with your artwork that you've turned your camera off? No, I, I can't. Like, I don't know what's going on with it, but yeah. Okay, just... cool. That's all right. And um, uh, Camillo, either a commission shot or a cover shot or a pinup, hero shot versus storytelling image, or are you trying to combine the two? Um, well, it, I think it's funner to do a um, to do a hero shot, but um, if I'm doing a cover, I think I want to try to combine the two somehow. Cool. Uh, and I think, and I think we're seeing that in that piece you've created there. That piece is telling the story. Like I, I want to know where the phantom is and uh, and what's been going on. That he's in that rubble, uh, and there's obviously a place of turmoil and conflict that he's in, and and providing some restoring some order too. Great, great image. Uh, and uh, pitchy. Like we've just seen examples of both of those. I think from the sneak previews you've shown us, that is very much a storytelling image in that pirate ship. Uh, but uh, could just as easily be a poster on itself um, in a print series or something like that. You try and do both is what I see from you, but to me it's always the story it tells, even that one you've got there that you've you've pictured. I, there's a story behind that pose. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I grew up on in, in the 90s reading 90s comics, right, like 90s Marvel image and... Uh, there was a lot of pinups, you know, those pinup artists. I think Jamie's yep. inspired by some of the same. Um, and that's where, you know, I took my inspiration from. But I think, you know, more recently I've become, uh, I started to shift a little bit. I wanted to maybe tell stories and and not just do a pinup and heroic shot, but more of a, a storytelling piece to like add a theme to it. So these kind of things uh, go through my mind now where um I think obviously right now you're staring at the pinup that I just did, but I think uh, when it comes to doing new covers and pinups, I think I'm I'm going to try and look forward to uh, placing a scene inside my picture as opposed to just uh, the classic heroic person with their fists out. And and, I, and I'm hoping to see, as I'm sure a lot of the people here are, and the people listening for this uh, getting played back later on. Uh, seeing more of those are coming out from you uh, and winning story of the cover of the year again. Uh, it's 
Trip, I know you're listening. Jamie, I know you're here. Camillo, you're all paying attention. The, the gauntlet's been thrown down by Pitchy. So we're going to go across to uh, Jermaine, who's been uh, patiently waiting uh, in the in the background here. Uh, and we're going to put the screen over to him, have one last look at those pieces. We'll come back to say goodbye to our artists who've, uh, who've donated their time and talent tonight. But have a quick look. Jamie, if you can hold up your piece there too. It, it said host has disabled my um, chat, so I think Germ got a bit, I don't know, annoyed at my piece. <laughs> and um, so the, one of those three images there. So we're going to throw to uh, Jermaine, uh, and he's going to bring up on the screen, and I think he's still going to let me talk, but we're going to use a, a random number generator. We're going to do three draws, okay? And if you win the first draw, you will win one of these pieces, and then your name will be taken out of the subsequent draw. So you've got more of a chance to win. That's a recap for Callum and Jeff who joined us partway through. Uh, so if you bought a ticket, you're in the running. Uh, and uh, the first one we're going to do a, a random number generator from for uh, is Jamie's piece. So Jamie's James Bond Thunderball inspired piece. Jermaine, let's look at this uh, spin the wheel. All right. Thanks, mate. Uh, you can never comment again about me talking too long on podcast Duncan um, you are banned from doing that ever again um, so on behalf of everyone at Chronicle Chamber thank you uh, basically for joining us thank you um, Jamie Camilla and, and Vicky um, Daniel for basically giving us everything and helping and being with us and stuff it's it's amazing. All right. So those who are, um, who can see us, you should be able to see. I'll try and do it. So, all right. So we'll just quickly go over. So there was 20 of us. Uh, so we got Daniel, Jeff from the US, Bradley Peach, who didn't join us, but um, uh, Swarup from India, Paul Maloney, uh, Thomas, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce your last name. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Robert Cheek, uh, Trevor Clark, John Cookson, Trevor Cray, Thomas uh, Brace, uh, Chris Sherlock, Dan Fraser, Alex Tripp, Bradley Kelly, Joe Elu, uh, Chris Hill, Sayu Abia, uh, also from India, uh, Gary Horn and Sean Bassett. Uh, big shout out to Sean. Hope, hopefully he's still with us um, and hopefully you get better as well soon. Oh. Um, so... So there then, uh, as we said, we'll draw out the first one. It will appear here if you're looking at me or if you're on the podcast as well. So we'll now press the random name. And this is for Jamie's and Bradley Kelly. Uh, congratulations, Bradley. Uh, that one is to you. So, congrats, buddy. Um, so, yeah, huge congratulations to Brad. I'm sure you'll be very happy with that. Um Duncan, are we going straight to the next one or did you? So I'll just give you a second to take uh, Bradley's name out of the list. Congratulations, Bradley, on uh, picking up that fantastic Thunderball inspired original piece from Jamie Johnson. The next one we will do is uh, Camillo's uh, amazing piece with the peace flag and the peace sign in the background. Whenever you're ready, Germ, uh, and you've got it set up, <clears throat> spin the wheel again. Fingers crossed for everybody. No more whammies. Yeah. All right, so we'll just go to this one. So we'll pick another name, uh, and Bradley's name has been taken out. So we'll do that. We'll go start. 
Oh, there you go, Sean Bassett. I uh, know you'll be very happy with that. Hopefully, it will make your um, uh, your unfortunate little accident that you've uh, experienced a little bit more sweeter. Uh, Sean has been a long time uh, listener, long time Patreon, and always uh, supports us on the faffles and stuff like that as well. So, congrats. Um, Congratulations, Sean. That will go to a very good home, even for a Collingwood supporter. Well done. Congratulations. Well, then that then gets removed from the list and, um, and we get ready for the next draw. Uh, pin your screens to the uh, pin-up image that's just been created in front of your eyes by uh, Daniel Picciotto. Uh, that is the last one up for grabs with Sean and Bradley out of the running. Your chances have increased significantly. When uh, when Jermaine is ready, we're going to see who's going to win the last uh, endurance prize for staying with us for this whole period there while these pieces uh, get created, got created in front of us. When you're ready. Good luck, guys. All right. So, again, thank you, uh, all the artists, and thank you for who watching us. So, that means we have 18, is that right, my maths? So we have 18 names left. So you have a one in 18 chance to uh, pick up um, Daniel's piece. So good luck, everyone. And the winner is Thomas from Norway. Now, this is the second Congratulations. one. Congratulations. So um, congratulations, Thomas. Uh, I know you will enjoy that. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, while I've got a chance to do a little bit of speaking um and with duncan's having a good well and break i will show everyone here first uh this is the next piece that we were doing a faffle from so this is a piece that came today i've i haven't finished opening the parcels yet but this will be the first one that will be donated uh this is from lennart moberg who is from sweden uh, he's been on our podcast before. So this is another A3 uh, piece, amazing piece here. Um, it's the ink as well. Um, he's done some, uh, he did some postcards as well. And so this almost um, made it into one of his postcards as well. So I'll get some photos and some information, but just wanted to give everyone a bit of a heads up uh, that this will be the next piece that will be going up. Um Thank you, everyone. Thank you, uh, Daniel, Jamie, Camilo, um, and also Duncan for uh, for helping me out tonight as well. Jim, can I just jump in for a sec? Of course, my friend. Um, so for anyone that didn't win, um, I have these diptych prints that I will sign as an artist proof. Uh, I just ask that you pay the uh, the shipping for that. So if you're interested in that, just hit me up in uh, in DMs. And I'll uh, I'll ship that out to you as a consolation prize for just to say thanks for supporting the stream and um, obviously such a good cause. Thank you, Jamie. amazing Jamie. Worth the price of admission right there, Jim. Thank you for doing that. Um, I'm going to farewell our guests uh, for all of us uh, quickly in a second. Just a quick congratulations to our three uh, amazing winners and the consolation prize uh, that, that is uh, anything but that's been given there from. Uh, Jamie is an amazing uh, sign of generosity for a fantastic cause that you've all uh, contributed to tonight. If uh, you won one of the pieces this evening, um, email chroniclechamber at gmail.com to ensure they have the correct shipping uh, details for you uh, and whether or not you want the piece 
um, inscribed to you before it gets sent from the artist to Chronicle Chamber, <clears throat> and they'll organise to get those pieces to you. Um, I think most of those names, uh, Jermaine will know the address for them anyway. Uh, but just a reminder is the reason that we've all got together this evening is for the beneficiary of tonight's event, not only uh, your entertainment um, and uh, my opportunity to keep you as a captive audience. Uh, UNICEF works with partners around the world to promote policies and expand access to services that protect all disadvantaged children. Working in over 190 countries and territories worldwide, focused on child protection, survival and education. This is certainly a cause befitting the phantom a worthwhile beneficiary of this evening's event. And I'm sure you'll all agree uh, that we uh, have been blessed by um, the presence of the, the artists that have donated their time and talent tonight with these three amazing pieces of art. Further information on the programs funded by your donations or to learn how you can contribute more, go to unicef.org.au or call 1300-884-233. So I just want to thank Camilla DiPietro-Antonio, Daniel Picciotto and Jamie Johnson the Young Buck Trio, uh, and thank you for your generous contribution. Thank the attendees for their support, endurance and patience, uh, congrat and congratulate the lucky winners taking home these unique pieces of fandom art that not only will look great, but will give you a sense of satisfaction, knowing that every time you look at it, you saw its creation and you contributed to those less fortunate. So uh, Jermaine's already talked about those, the next FAFL art auction and slash UNICEF fundraising event that they've got coming up. Uh, this was a different uh, format for the session uh, and uh, you've all, um, by your participation and patience and generosity, made it a success. Uh, a special thank you to the Chronicle Chamber team of Dan, Jermaine and Stephen for their work and support behind the scenes to make this event a reality and for the continued efforts in support of UNICEF. That's going to be all from me. I'm just going to go around quickly to the guests and say thank you individually to all of you. Um, Camilo, thank you very much for giving us your time and your guidance tonight and educating everyone on NFTs. Uh, did you want to say goodbye to the group? Yeah, um, thanks to everyone. Goodbye. Um, but more importantly, I just want to say, you know, I know I haven't done much official phantom work, so it's a real honour to be called up by you guys and to do something like this. And I always get a lot of support from all the phantom fans despite not having done much on the Phantom. So it really means a lot. And, and if you've shown us anything tonight, it's that the Young Bucks deserve to be featured more uh, on our Phantom products and comic books. Uh, Camillo, can, you can see more on him on his socials at InstaCamillo uh, on Instagram. Uh, in, in, sorry, InstaCam underscore Illo, so InstaCamillo. Uh, Daniel Picciotto is at Pitchy8. Daniel, did you want to say goodbye to the group? Thank you very much for your time this evening and donating your talent uh, and sharing your stories with us. Thanks, Duncan. Yeah, thanks, everyone. I don't know it's been a long night <laughs> for two hours of streaming, but I appreciate everyone uh, sticking by, uh, joining uh, for a good cause. And uh, hopefully, you know, look out for any new work. And uh, I'm really easy going. So if you hit me up on Instagram, let me know what you think of any new uh, covers or any new work that you see. Uh, it'd be good to keep in touch. Thanks, Pitchy. Well done tonight and uh, looking forward to seeing that new cover coming out in a fruit very, very soon. Uh, Jamie Johnson, quick draw 13 on Instagram, any socials. Uh, thank you very much. Did you want to say a farewell uh, to the group uh, as the um, last young buck tonight? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's always a pleasure. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting some of you in person and some of you, this is the first time. So thanks for sticking with us. I know it was a long, long evening. Um, but yeah, I don't really have any phantom coming up, but if you want to see more, maybe just tell free you want more covers or something, but uh, I'll see you guys around at the shows and come say hi and happy phantoming. 
And before I throw it back to Jermaine, in case he wants to do anything last, thank you, all of you, everyone who tuned in tonight, everyone who's listening later on in the podcast, and the three artists for the amazing work you've done tonight. Congratulations to the winners of the original artwork. Thank you to the Young Bucks for joining the sketch session. Happy Phantoming. Awesome. Uh, yep. So thank you, everyone. Uh, this will all be released on a podcast coming out in, I don't know, in soon. So thank you for um, uh, listening, watching. Uh, some of us will be in Sydney, so it'll be great to catch up again. Uh, we've just put up a social media, uh, no, we've just put up an article which has got a lot of the information about what's going to be happening in Supernova as well as some fan gatherings and stuff like that. That should be hitting our social media tomorrow as well. Um, so on behalf of everyone at Chronicle Chamber, uh, thank you guys. Thank you, artists, uh, Daniel, Jamie and Camilo and Duncan for helping out tonight. Um, until next time, happy fantoming and stay safe. Thanks, guys. Bye, all. Great to see you.